2: It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and enter the mind of Rob Zombie. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast, and you've entered Rob Zombie Ween. It's time to get foxy foxy, hail Jesus Frankenstein, and jump into our Dragula as we begin our final feature. Time to go into the bone pile with Thirt, thirt Why, hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. Woo!
1: And I cannot believe we're still doing Rob Zombie movies.
2: <laughs> and you believe that this is the last of the Rob Zombie movies? It's bittersweet. It really oh. is. That's oh. Just still I can convince you to do the other ones. Uh, at some other point. Well, I think that you're going to be uh, happy because, yes, we are recording this earlier, but there is one that's going to be included within the 31 and 31 that I'm doing. So I'll let I you guess yeah. which. Oh, I bet okay. you know which one it is. Uh, well, I mean, since I know your theme, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully, people at this point they're not totally sick of me doing all this crap. And hopefully, at this point, that when this is released, at that point, I'm not sick of doing uh, all this stuff that I've been doing. Uh, when would what is this supposed to be? The fourth week of uh, October. Fourth week. Yeah, October. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're we're in the past. Not so much in the past, actually. It's October when we're recording it. So we're good. (laughs) You know, and it's crazy
1: too, because a lot of people always give me a hard time. Like you put so much on yourself, but what you do in October surpasses anything I've ever done. Like you usually do at least what ever since the beginning of terrible terror, every October you've just consistently put out extra episodes, right? Like usually for every month for October, But then you started doing YouTube reviews and 31 and 31. and It's just like, ah, do you just take a month off of your day job to devote it to the podcast?
2: No, I I do a lot of stuff uh, late at night and uh, early in the morning. And uh, I I try to do as much as I can on the weekends, to be honest with you, because that's where, you know, the the bread and butter. I, I have the time to do like watching the movies. And with that, the 3131 31 stuff, man, that, that shit is uh, nuts because a, a lot of people I know that do it, they pick movies that they've seen before, you know, and they, they talk about it. I'm not saying everybody does it, but there are some people that do it. Uh, and Or they just put out, oh, this is the movie, you know, this is what I'm talking about for today. Uh, I really try to go above and beyond and do the little mini reviews and, you know, I could just say, oh, yeah. I do this, but I watched the movies, uh, like last night, I, I watched 31, so I can get ready for this podcast, and see if I remember half the shit that's in it, uh, and two, uh, I watched one of the movies for the 31-31, like right after it, so I had like four hours of movies that I went through to get that stuff done, so that way, that uh, on the next day when I release it, I have that ready to go, since I knew we were recording tonight, so planning ahead, And that's, dude, that's
1: really impressive too, because (laughs) at least, I don't know, I'm sure some listeners out there are nodding their head with me. When I watch a movie, I can't watch another movie because it will immediately like delude what I just watched. Like if I need to review a movie or take heavy notes on something and I start watching something else, now I'm thinking about the other movie I just watched. Thinking about the other movie, about the other
2: movie, about the other movie? Yeah, the 31 other movies, right? Uh, Speaking of 31, that's a good segue. Uh, Here we are. We are at one of, I would say, uh, it's hard. Maybe it's hard. Maybe I wouldn't say it, uh, but I'm probably going to say it somewhat. This could be one of Rob Zombie's two most dis- divisive movies because people either love this movie or they hate this movie. And there's another movie where people either love this movie or hate, this, hate that movie. Um, but I always see this movie getting more of the hate than the other movie. Like the other movie seems like it's, forgotten by a lot of people but this movie when you speak of it somebody's gonna say oh man i totally love this movie or oh man that movie's complete trash yeah and i know the other movie you're talking about and it's so funny i was looking
1: at it at the video store today and i looked on the back and there's a uk uh i guess movie critic and he said it was rob zombie's best movie and i was like huh i've never seen anybody say that before (laughs) (laughs) well there's a first for everything (laughs) that's right and you know what This movie, I absolutely love it because it's just like all other Rob Zombie movies. You know what you're in for when you watch it. But I can completely see what you're saying about the love-hate relationship because if you're burned out on what Rob Zombie does or is as a filmmaker, you're not going to enjoy this film.
2: And honestly, part of me, us going into this, I was like, oh, I'm going to be burned out by watching, you know, all three Firefly movies and how much we've talked about those movies and everything we did. And I'm like, "Uh, now I got to sit through 31. What's going to happen at the end of everything? Like, am I still going to feel like I did the first time I saw it? Or is it going to be something completely different because maybe I feel burned out by copious amounts of dialogue and the cuts and and some of the things that Rob Zombie does? Um, Because, you know, I do things... And and in this, we have done things differently than people have done when they've looked at these movies. You know, right. there's a lot of stuff that went into making each of these episodes um, that when you go through just one person's, I'd probably be the same going through like John Carpenter stuff. After a while, I'll be like, you know what? I don't want to see another fucking Carpenter movie for a good, you know, two years. I'm done, you know, but we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah, I guess we'll see. So what was your first experience with 31? All right. So I remember
1: a couple of years before it came out, the teaser poster, I remember all the hype that I was causing. <laughs> I was so excited for this movie, man. I was, <laughs> I was just like, yes, another Rob Zombie horror movie. And, and the synopsis was out there, you know, uh, you know, clowns, goons, murder world, people have to survive a game. I'm like, this sounds amazing. Get some damn right. monster and go fuck shit up. Oh Yeah. <laughs>
2: You make me sound like a wrestler, man. Come on. Only Tyler May is a wrestler. But the soon thing we're going to see you sit, sitting up in the rafters, like sting with your baseball bat, getting ready to, to bounce on anybody talking shit about Rob Zombie, are you? I mean,
1: that's true life right there. But no, seriously, Brian, like, this movie was something that we all heard about and, and we saw the poster and then nothing. It was yeah. like almost two years of nothing. And then it came out with an extremely limited release. And none, and this is, I understand your pain on this one because we talked about this for your Three from Hell experience. No theater around me was playing it. So I was in the company of, I invited a buddy over and we rented it the day it came on video demand for like $10 rental or whatever. And um, so I, I remember late at night just watching it, and
2: it's exactly what I had hoped for. Yeah, it's actually funny. I didn't realize that the film was actually crowdfunded twice at fanbacked.com. Uh, that's just coming off the top of my head, by the way. I'm not like looking it up or anything like that. But it, I think it's pretty crazy. It only had a budget of $1.5 million. Yeah. It was, this is probably his smallest budget, would you say? Yeah, it has to be
1: because, and, and that's what all the people he has involved with it. You know what I mean? You think it would cost a lot more just to have the people involved that he does, but I know for sure all of the, you know, like House of a Thousand Devils rejects. I mean, they, the because House did so good, the budget for Devils went up and everything. But and and I know Lords of Salem name drop. That one had a big budget and I think that movie alone, even though I love it, a lot of people don't, I think it was the reason why some of his other movies haven't had a
2: wide theatrical release. Yeah, so it it did premiere at the 2016 Sundance Film Festival. Uh, In 2016, Saban Films uh, announced that they acquired the distribution rights and then it had a limited theatrical release on September 16th, 2016. Uh, On the September 1st, Fathom events actually did host a special premiere uh, and included the world premiere of the gore whore music video. That's a surprise. Let me tell you something, man. Um,
1: I'm so irritated by one thing and we're going to get into it on this, but it has to do with that Sundance festival. Do you know the version that you and I have watched is not the version that played at the festival?
2: Yes, because the version that we watched is not the NC 17 version, which was the original version. I want that version.
1: There's so oh, yes. many scenes in here that you can tell were scaled down for the purpose of avoiding the unrated or whatnot. And then I remember Rob was saying that we would get the unrated on the DVD and we definitely did not. And now every time I watch this, I just think of what was.
2: <laughs> yeah. it's There's definitely something like missing and you can feel it in a couple of different scenes that you just want, like, I feel, I don't know what that NC-17 runtime was, but it probably added a little bit extra to the length of this film, uh, especially the way that the pacing is in this movie. And we'll definitely get into that and, and my own issues with the way that they do certain things and how they do certain characters uh, in the film. So if you're ready to go, Why don't we uh, get introduced to the film and uh, get ready to go? My monster's almost empty. Might as well. All right. So before Dave goes off without his monster, we'll try to keep this. Okay. I'm going to say this again at the beginning of every fucking one of these ones that we've done. Wait, wait. What if we don't say it? (laughs) Maybe if we don't say it, it maybe that's and that'll keep us within the runtime that we want to do for this. Hmm. So mark it, stamp it right here. Hopefully we'll get out of this uh, alive. So I like the way this movie starts and this movie starts completely in black and white. And we see a figure kind of walking towards us and that happens to be Richard Brake. Okay. I'm going to say it fucking right this time. If you listen to the last <laughs> episode, I'm going to say it right as much as I can. Uh, but he's walking towards the camera. And again, it's all in black and white. Now, this is one of the ones where I don't know if this is a a choice or is this part of the rated R, like this is how we get rated R. I want to keep the scene in there and maybe it's just a little bit too bloody and this is one of those scenes where even though it's not super bloody, it's like, hey, there's still, if we make it black and white, can we get it through? This is like the the Tarantino kill Bill moment. Yeah, dude. Um, I think I had read they – Originally filmed this
1: in color and so I think the switch to black and white was to dumb
2: it down at least a little bit well the only thing that you don't have to dumb down in this scene is Robert Breaks uh, Richard Breaks, yeah, see I did it, did it right fucking there oh god, well Richard Breaks performance as Doomhead they
0: call me Doomhead now I don't call myself Doomhead mind you but they do Who's they? Well, some mysterious folks that pay me a whole lot of scratch to do what I do. And what I do, unfortunately for you, (laughs) I do real well. Now, let's get one thing between us straight. I ain't no fucking clown. Now, Mr. P.T. Barnum may claim clowns are the pegs on which this circus is hung. But I ain't no fucking clown. Now, you may think you see a grease-painted performer sitting before you who would usually elicit an amused response from an audience. But trust me. You do not. I'm not here to make you happy. Hmm? I'm not here to brighten your dismal day. And I am certainly not here to elicit an amused response. I am here to end your miserable fucking life. But first... Mm. First, I'm going to bless you with a
2: story. So here, Doomhead is a very fascinating character. I, I The biggest thing I can take out of this is, uh, besides the acting involved in this scene and the way that it's set up, is it's framed really well. That honestly, even though it was dumbed down, the black and white really fits with the blood going with his teeth on his face, how it's just kind of dripping everywhere. And, you know, we're going to learn out later how that actually gets there, Um, which again is a really great scene, you know, and he is honestly the show stealer right from the beginning of the fucking movie. Yeah. And as people
1: are listening to this podcast this month, they see that, you know, we did the Firefly trilogy, Together that way, it was a fluent story. But this movie, of course, came out before Three from Hell, and so I think when we share the exact same opinion in this of the more Doomhead the better, but it kind of it lets Richard Brake shine as an actor, and I think that's exactly why when they did Three from Hell, it was one of those things like, well, we can't get Sig, hey,
2: well, hey, man, Doomhead was awesome. Just bring in Richard Brake. Yeah, I I believe that that was the way he probably just went. You know, I need somebody to fill this role oh, wait, you know, Richard did a fantastic fucking job. And I think that this kind of fits him. It's like a a more playful version of Doomhead. Or maybe, you know, if you want to call this like a Rob Zombie universe, maybe this is what Wilson was doing. You know, the Wolfman was doing before he went and rescued, you know, Otis and the rest of them. Yeah, he was just trying to make a living, man. That's right. So you can think about it that way or... you. You know, or it's just fucking doomhead. But it's it's a great setup, and you really all we're doing is we're focusing on him. And honestly, I thought when I first saw this, I thought this is like like, like one of those senses in black and white that this is the pa- the future or the pa- you know actually the future. Yes, that's exactly where I was going. Um, <laughs> it's the future, and we're gonna now pull back, right. and we're gonna see how we got to this point. But that's not the case at all. It kind of is, like, it is the past, and there is a link back later in the movie to this scene, but it's it's not that way. Brian, did you catch that
1: the entire monologue that he has, it goes for, like, a minute, minute and a half. Like, he never blinks during that yeah. whole, until it actually switches frames and shows perspective of who he's talking to. He's staring at the camera, and, and I remember asking myself, like, did he ever blink? And I went back and I rewatched the scene and he never blinked.
2: No. And it's crazy. Cause you have to think that he had multiple takes on that. And he had sure. to do that again and again and again and again. And either that's some of the best editing I've ever seen in the world where they can make it seem like fluid like that, or he just did one hell of a job and I'm, I'm leaning it more towards the second one. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of crazy too, because this whole intro scene is like almost seven minutes long. Yeah. and, and
1: We, we I, talk I, about how a lot of Rob Zombie movies, when they start off, they
2: usually set the tone, and this is no exception. Yeah, so let's, let's go ahead and just kind of finish the end of the scene, um, and then let's talk a little more about what's going on. See, I don't think the last
0: sound to puncture your eardrum should be the twang of your body falling apart. Snap.
2: Ooh.
0: Oh, crunch. Oh. Interesting fact. Did you know that a cockroach can live up to 168 hours without a head? I know. I find this fascinating but what really blows my fucking marbles like a 50 cent skank I mean the real mind fucker is that for several more hours this same decapitated head will keep on trucking for Jesus if properly nourished of course you know, all in all, you've had a pretty good run. But uh, deep down inside, you must have known it all had to end somewhere. Might as well be here. Might as well be now. And it might as well be with me. my wife. What do these bastards do to my beautiful wife? She's another of our two beautiful girls. Rebecca, Josephine, beautiful. They're just like her. Please. Oh. I know where she is. Two little clowns I know took a fancy to her, so I think she might be sticking around for a bit, huh? Christ Almighty! You Jesus freaks are so fucking sensitive, huh? You should be thanking me, man. I'm sending you straight to the fucking pearly gates with a first class ticket.
2: And so that's where he takes his axe. And I, it, I had to cut that bit out because I it, this is already really long as it is. But I love the whole thing. Except for I couldn't keep the end because there's all the, the silence there. But he grabs his axe And then he says, I'm sorry, it's so dull. And then he starts chopping them up and it's great. Like that is the big exclamation mark to this scene, to this performance. Yeah. And he tells him it's going to take a couple extra whacks. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's brutal. It's really brutal. And that's one thing I can definitely say about this film. And I, maybe this is the thing to think about when going through this film, other than the other ones were saying, Oh, whose film is it? Now, this, Richard Brake steals the whole film. It, it's his film, you know, yeah. pretty much. He's the most memorable thing from the film. There are some good scenes and I'm surprised at a couple of the actors. Well, one actress in particular, because I'm like, Holy crap, that's her. Um, when I found out who it was. Um, but in, in general, like he's the most memorable thing personally about this film. We need a a sequel called 32, and it's just going to be Richard Brake only. (laughs) (laughs) Richard Brake versus Malcolm McDowell in 32. Uh, (laughs) Malcolm McDowell is like a scene stealer when you see him, though. Like, I just love the delivery of the lines, but he's not like a super important character. Now, besides that, would you say that this is possibly the most violent out of all Rob Zombie's films? I actually... um... I
1: have something written down that i was going to talk about that we can do it now well you'll, we you'll have to see what i give the rating on this mm-hmm. as far as the violence is concerned but i think this is another movie where it's heavily implied
2: yeah well it, it's definitely from this you're gonna be like oh i think i'm in for a roller coaster ride of uh, mayhem yeah all aboard <laughs> I wasn't gonna do it, but you did it. You <laughs> so we he hacks up, and now it's not—it's weird because—and uh, you might know better more than I uh, to this question. Now he looks like he's supposed to be dressed up like a priest, but he's actually a pastor, right? Is there a difference? Well, pastors can get married, right? Oh yeah, he's married. So. Yeah, he's married, but he's still wearing the priestly. He's got the collar, collar, yeah. which he shouldn't have, right? Hold on a second. Why would I know that
1: better? I have never been to school
2: for this. Oh, <laughs> 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 I just David, assume on. since you're in Texas, you know you would know these things. Uh, us heathens <laughs> out here in California, you know, we we live the center life, so I don't know nothing about no Jesus and no uh, collar going on over here. We don't talk about that in California. In this movie,
1: Roscoe says he wishes he was in California.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Well, that's because of other things. Oh, okay. Uh, Speaking of which, so we move over. See, you're leading me in all these great transitions. Um, We now go away from the whole massacre of the poor dude, pastor. uh, And we're now out on the road. And we've got Big Tubby here. He's driving this big old truck. Well, big old van. And that's where we get to meet some of the carnies that uh, are going to be our victims.
1: Hey, Randy, man. I hope you know that E stands for empty, not eat.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I am hungry, but that's not possible.
1: Check it.
0: Oh, Oh, suck suck my motherfucking balls. No thanks. How am I supposed to work with this inferior goddamn equipment? Is that what the ladies are going <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, my 2 is working fine. Hey, look-a-boy. If this monster break out here in the ass in the nowhere? You're going to get your loud ass out there, and you're going to push with the bumper up your ass.
2: Venus, I think it might be time to bring back the girl into a gorilla illusion. Ooh, you all got a gorilla? Yeah, I got a fucking gorilla. He's in my pants, to call him King Dong. Whoa, hey, whoa, Philly.
0: I assume you're joking. I am not. But haven't we got enough to worry about without you framing a new shot? I mean, besides, who's gonna hustle the solution?
2: Do you think I want to be a fucking mechanic?
0: Fixing these death traps the rest of my life? I mean, I got dreams. And they do not include yanking some kid's chewed up arm out of the gears of the tilt a world Baby, I got dreams, too. You go for it. Get the fuck off me. Hey, baby girl. Hey. Hey, what do you think about that talent back there? I mean, the one with the lopsided high beams. I mean, I don't know if she's drunk or retarded. Seriously? <laughs> she's gonna twitch
2: and it, your ass all around the midway. Uh-huh.
1: Just like all the
2: new babies do. But that's why I'm afraid. Alright, so... Here we've got our first set of people that we're meeting. We're meeting, uh, you know, our our bus driver. That's not really going to matter whatsoever. But our big players here are Charlie, played by Sherry Moon Zombie. Then you got Roscoe, which is Jeff Daniel Phillips, who was the warden in, you know, the uh, the three from hell. And then you got uh, Panda, who is Lawrence Hilton Jacobs. Now, the name is familiar. I just cannot put him in something unless you can, Dave.
1: So the thing about Lawrence is he's not a a frequent actor in Rob Zombie movies, but he has an insane – like, he's been acting since, like, 60s, 70s, dare I say, tons of TV work, tons of movies. Like, the guy's just kind of been in, like, so many, like, TV movies and everything, and he's still acting today. So you've probably seen something.
2: uh, I don't know if you've reviewed something that he's in it, but you've probably definitely seen something. I I figured as much. This is why I keep you around, Dave, because you have this – impeccable knowledge for actors and their long acting careers i like movies you do and (laughs) then you've got uh venus played by meg foster now meg foster is the one that truly like surprised me because i'm like okay she looks really familiar so i looked her up and now i want you to guess what is the one movie that i remember her from and that i was surprised about Ooh, okay. So I know what
1: movie I love her from. I also know what movie I hate that she's in. So
2: I don't think we're gonna have the same. Well, what what would you think is your guess? Not saying I love her in. Okay, just that saying I, I I like. Oh yeah, that's where I remember you from. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Jeepers Creepers three.
1: No, because no. I hated that movie and she was I, in it. I thought I was I gonna like it because she was
2: in it. Oh, that's a terrible. <laughs> I didn't movie. save it. Okay, what do you know her from? He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. She plays Evil Evelyn. Boom. Never seen it. Oh, man, that is the perfect <laughs> This is why movie. you keep me around. <laughs> <laughs> so that I can torture you. I mean, make you, I mean, uh, have uh, you review movies with me that, is, that you've never seen. Uh, 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 that's not a Christmas movie. But hey, man, it's, so it's Meg Foster awesome. with me. It's um, The Stepfather Part 2. Oh, there you go. And there's also Easy. something else that she was uh, a part of that I was like, I was very, very surprised to see that she was in. And you know, she was in They Live. That's the other one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The 80s. Yeah. It so, you know, it's, uh, and in They Live, she was Holly Thompson, if, in case people wanted to know. Uh, but I was very surprised. I'm like, oh, yeah, most recognizable person. Well, besides, of course, Sherry Moon Zombie uh, and our good friend uh, playing Roscoe. You know, because uh, you can't. I mean, those teeth. <laughs> he does got some teeth. He's got them pork chops, eye burns He always what? has those. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like they
1: go away. Now, let me ask you something. I know you said he didn't matter, but did you recognize the bus driver?
2: Now, is he the liquor guy from uh, House of Thousand Corpses? No, but you're on the right path. He's in Devil's Rejects.
1: Ah. And he just wants to ask you one question.
2: Oh, man. Y'all ain't going to fuck them chickens, are you? Oh, that's who it is. (laughs) He put on a lot of weight in between these movies. E stands for eat. What are you going to do? I guess so. And it's funny because he does call him liquor boy. That's where I thought i put the two together. But that can't be him. Like that would have been like a great callback to be like, oh, yeah. You know, pussy liquor, liquor boy. We're all good and all friends. It's not go (laughs) And It's not Goober either. (laughs)
1: fucking asshole
2: i feel like we do this joke all the time (laughs) we've done this joke i think in all three episodes (laughs) it lives on Uh, at least i know that it's in three from hell i'm not sure if it's in devil's rejects but you know people can go back and be like yep you guys did it three fucking times you assholes um so and this is the reason why we never finish on time because we keep going but uh, (laughs) uh so you know, Roscoe, he's got this great idea that he's trying to tell Venus, right? He's trying to tell Venus about his, his monkey show that he's going to do. What, what was the name of the show? Do you remember? Oh, man. I remember. I th- if somebody's going to correct me, I'll
1: accept it. But it's something like Captain Houdini's Mad Monster Show.
2: That's yeah, some, something like that. That's very close. I remember the Mad Monster Show. I think that's correct. but I can't remember. Well, I remember he the was... Houdini part. I just don't know if he was a captain. <laughs> I thought he was the captain. Well, there it is. That's the name. We're rolling with it. We're just going to roll with it. So Captain Hood Eating's Mad Monster Show. And he's got that ditz of a girl that's there with him. I mean, this is such a a wasted character. Like, why do we even need this character? Well, you know, she's named
1: Snoopy. That's her name in the film. Yes. And um, I got to say, the way he treats her just... It made me laugh so hard, uh, outside and inside, because it gave me flashbacks of Sid Hagen, and Devil's Rejects when she was chasing him down. And he was trying to leave. He's like, "Out of my face, woman!" He puts <laughs> in. I just got that same comedy, but disrespect. It was great.
2: Yes, but this one is just annoying. Like that one was still like relatively funny. Maybe that's because we knew Captain Spaulding. And that's just the way that he was. And we really don't know Roscoe, who doesn't want to be no type of mechanic carny anymore. Well, I guess, you know, maybe I don't want that job either. If you're having to get kids' arms out of the Tilt-A-Whirl. Yeah. Like, how fucked up are you?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, leaving them in there would be worse. So
2: Eh, they get free rides. their arms do. (laughs) Well, I guess when they come off, yeah, I guess that that could be the case. (laughs) But, so he has to go and show his gorilla. So he's going to go into the back room. And that's where we're going to meet, uh, uh, why can't I say the name right, Levon. Uh, who is busy with his lady back there? Um, who is asking him to specifically tell a joke once again that she can't get? Tell
0: it again. I don't get it. Who had the cake? Oh, Christ, bitch! Pay attention this time. There was a boy named Harold walked in on his grandparents having sex. Pretty much like this asshole, and walked in on me. Harold say, "Grandma." What you doing? Grandma say, well, we baking the cake. <laughs> a few days later, Harold say, Grandma, was you and Grandpa baking the cake last night? Grandma says, as a matter of fact, we was. How would you know? Harold say, because I just licked some frosting off the couch. I said I'm getting frosting.
1: Where'd it come from?
0: The old man's a dick!
2: The old bastard's jeez was the frosting. (laughs) Frosting's so good, make you want to smack your mama. (laughs) I'm glad you decided (laughs) to include that clip. (laughs) That joke will live forever. (laughs) It will. Uh, Well, as long as this podcast stays up, it'll live there. Uh, But yeah, it's it's kind of the language of the film. I think that's why I want to put it in there. Because I would say in general, the language of this film is filthy absolutely filthy it's it's right up there with rob zombies halloween oh yeah and even rob zombie said that this was his kind of secondary devil's rejects you know in the way that he feels about this movie it's like the devil's rejects to him uh and which is fine i'm not gonna knock him for how he feels uh but i don't think anything can compare to that but that's just me um there are some comparisons though that we're gonna get into yeah. And there's there's definitely with some of the weird kind of transitions, you know that he does. He again, this is you know grind exploitation, the seventies grind exploitation. It takes place in 1976. Yep. You know, so oh, the, he's Halloween doing day. a lot of uh, everything takes place on fucking Halloween Day, <laughs> <laughs> especially Halloween. I mean, if that took place on yeah. some other day, then f- fuck, what would we do? That'd be weird. And, and, you know, it's not important
1: to say, but the girl that's uh, in the back with Levon, that's Trixie. Her name's Trixie. So we have
2: Snoopy and Trixie. (laughs) Oh, when does the Lucky Charms, uh, you know, little (laughs) leprechaun coming. Oh, he will come later. That's right. Yes. (laughs) Speaking Spanish. (laughs) I guess so. Oh, (laughs) such a weird, okay. Don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. So, they, they finally decide that they got to go get some gas because that's the way that it's going to go. And that's where we have a little bit of fun with the locals around here.
0: Hey, Holdy! got any gas today? It's a cocksucking gas station, ain't it? All right then, fill the up this big bitch frontal. Any of you dumb cunts in that ridiculous machine know how to read? Oh, you're still using sign language. Yeah, old man, I know how to read. Then read it and leave, genius. Backside. Got a whole lot of lazy effers here in this world, man. Uh. Ah. You digging what you see, Pops? I reckon I do. You can call me Leo. Lucky Leo. If you know what I mean. Oh, really? Do you feel lucky? I got a mattress out back. And a couple of jugs of gut burner. Ha! <laughs> Trust me, Leo. Your prehistoric ticker couldn't survive the ride. <laughs> Charlie, stop fucking with the locals. Give me a break. I'm just making friends. You want to be my friend, don't you, Leo? You know I do.
1: See? Just making friends.
2: So, that's Lucky Leo there, played by Tracy Walter, who has been a ton of movies. And the only one that, uh when I was looking through his list, that I was kind of like, oh, I maybe remember him was... a. Uh, conan the destroyer he, he played a role in that and then he was also and i saw something too he was in uh, 1989's batman as bob the goon that's actually. the one i remember him from that's where i should remember him from bob you know you're my number one guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets fucked <laughs> yeah but he's he was also in city slickers as cookie so I don't know if you've ever seen Slitty Slickers. I've seen Slidy Slickers
1: one and two, but oh it's been such a long time.
2: I'll rewatch them whenever the Back in Time podcast does them. Yeah. Well they should probably do them relatively soon. You know, they gotta get into like a Western phase for a while or Western comedy phase for a while. Yeah, they really haven't done anything like that. Hmm. No. No, they got a couple of them out there. They almost they almost did Wild Wild West once. Oh god, nobody should do that movie. Mm, JD <laughs> likes that movie though. Oh, how? Oh well and you know you know
1: talking about Tracy Walter lucky Leo the dude's in his 70s now um it looks like he hasn't done a movie since 2016 so hopefully we'll still get some more out of him but man he's like you said he's got a laundry list of things
2: oh yeah he's it, overall i think they said over 100 different movies Uh, Because he's just a character actor, he just kind of does what needs to be done. Oh, you need this guy to fill this role? Okay, I'll do it. And I actually kind of like him here. He's only on screen for this little bit. That's why I wanted to include it. Even though again, it's really raunchy. You have, you know, Sherry moves zombie coming out of the damn Like, I guess, is it it a bus? Is it a Winnebago? What the fuck is it? Let's go with Winnebago. That's fun to say. It's Winnebago. Well, whatever the fuck they're in. They're a little sleeper van thing. And she's got that, like, kick-ass, like, tiger shirt Mm -hmm. that's just, like, tied on in the back, and, you know, it's perfectly hung in the front. Uh, But she's she's just, like, grabbing her crotch as she's talking to him. Like, she's grabbing her dick, like, going to wag it out there. She knows what she's doing. Are you sure? Because she sure knows what she's doing. She grabs his dick and starts whacking them off well you know we in the movie at this point
1: we've already learned okay we have a mechanic we have these guys who are carny
2: operators and she's the peep show girl that's what she does man yeah well she you know she's got her girls back there i guess that are also her other peep show girls or the the horrors of the the carny circuit we got one of the two. I don't know what you... Well, she definitely says that the girl that's Snoopy that's going after Roscoe on the thing that she's had a tilt-a-whirl with everybody in the damn yeah. Carnival, if you know what I mean. She's going to be itching, too. I also like the fact that, that Lucky Leo over here is bold enough to be like, I got a mattress in the back. Yeah, <laughs> so we, I just... What is Gut Burner? This is not familiar with me. Gut Burner? I don't know. He says he's got a couple jugs of Gut Burner. Well, it must be some type of like uh, moonshine or something right. like that. That's the only thing. I can say, hey, I got a, you know, I got a bunch of, uh, you know, what a b- booze, a, a pocket full of rubbers, and my homeboys do too. So let's go on the mattress and get on the float. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's why they call him Lucky Leo. That's right. He managed to get somehow lucky. I mean, he at least got a hand job from her. So I guess he's pretty lucky. Oh, you no, it didn't take much. She was already done at this point. Oh, yeah. Well, and he was bending over. He was falling asleep. I could see him over there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm spent. <laughs> so they go ahead and gas up. And as they're gassing up, this is where we meet uh, another little lady that uh, may or may not become important to the movie as it moves along.
1: Hi, hey, Sailor. How
2: many see when you got left in can? Uh-huh. Too many.
0: Why knew it?
2: Maybe.
1: I could fit in very tight spaces.
0: I bet you can. Mm -hmm. So can I. Y'all headed up Jacksonville to go hunting? No, we're just plowing straight on through the Mm Harleyville. Planning on doing some hunting? Now, why are you so concerned with me going, huh? Oh, I'm just wondering. You got that domineering, gray,
2: black hunter vibe.
0: <laughs> yeah, it just comes natural. Yeah. <laughs> but we ain't got nothing but any firearms on this truck other than a bust old shotgun. Ah, oh, what's it for? Propping open the air vent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 uh, uh, what if you get in that
0: Well, I guess I, uh. Bust out my old trusty crowbar and back it up with one of these guns. Um, pop! See you later, Popeye. I'm gonna go get me some
2: spinach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you will. <laughs> So that is E.G. Daly. And uh, she has, she's not so much an action, she's more of a singer, I guess you could say. Uh, but she's done voice acting as well as acting. Now, her big acting role for me is Pee Wee's Big Adventure. She, uh, <laughs> she's in there. Yeah, it's just the way she plays Lauren in that. Uh, mm. I can remember from there. But actually, the biggest one that I didn't know, and it's just by the voice, she's Tommy Pickles on the Rugrats. Yes, yeah, she is. That's where I know her from heavily. <laughs> She also did a couple of things. She was uh, in uh, Babe Pig in the City, uh, as well as uh, Roughnecks Starship Trooper Chronicles.
1: Oh.
2: Is that an asylum or
1: trauma? or? No, no, no. no. <laughs>
2: That's uh, one of those continuation. I think it's the animated Starship Troopers movie, which, again, I think I owe oh, JD doing Starship Troopers one of these days. Yeah. Which will well, be interesting. Um...
1: You know, E.G. Daly, I also remember her from a movie called Dutch. Did you ever see Dutch? Yes, the one with Ed O'Neill.
2: Yes, the Thanksgiving movie. Yes, that's that's right. It's one of the few like actual Thanksgiving movies. Like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Dutch are like the two that I can always remember. And yet, nobody's covered Dutch yet.
1: Well, the young I
2: I I don't get it. Somebody needs to cover Dutch. I've been asking a bunch of people to cover Dutch. Somebody out there. Cover Dutch. Anyone. It's you literally have one month to prep for it. Yeah. And it's got fucking Ed O'Neill in it. Ed O'Neill's great in that movie. Oh. Still holds up. It does. And uh Shooter McGavin. Oh yeah, that's right. So we have this kind of weird confrontation here. Like she comes out of the middle of nowhere, she's wearing a American bikini. Like here's American flag bikini, not not an American, you know. It probably wasn't made in America, so it's not American bikini, but it's got the American flag on it. And she's really crushing hard here on poor old Roscoe.
1: Yeah, and I'm not buying it at all because uh, he's not that funny, but she sure is laughing.
2: Yeah, and she, the way her eyes move, you can tell that something is up. Like. Yeah it's she knows that she's playing him and he's too fucking stupid to realize he's getting played. She's extremely inquisitive and she
1: is really focusing on his answers.
2: Well, especially when she asks, you know, you going hunting? And he's like, no, all I got is the, and he tells her everything that's in the goddamn truck too. You know, I, 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 all we have is a busted shotgun that we use it to prop open shit. Huh? You mean I can kid? I mean, I can, you know, rob you. I mean, I can uh, I can leave you guys alone. <laughs> and she's like, so are
1: you heading this way? He's like, no, man, we're heading that way. Oh, okay. You're mm-hmm.
2: heading over that way, huh? Yeah.
1: Planting those seeds, Brian. Just planting those seeds.
2: Huh. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you guys have a lot of money on there? Oh, we only have about $2.5 sitting on this van. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, a couple we can get of bags more. of heroin. No yeah. big deal. A bunch of weed. Oh, okay. Why does your voice keep rising up every time you fucking? I give you an answer. No reason. <laughs> what are you doing with that grease paint? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why are those pasties come out of the middle of nowhere? Uh, <laughs> but it's it's like I I kind of wanted this to not be so obvious. Like this is just like super obvious that she's going to be a part of something later. Was it? that obvious to you on the first time watch though? It was pretty goddamn obvious on the okay. first watch because she comes up and the way that she's doing, and then she doesn't show up again. And I'm just like, okay, it's weird. Like I, there have been scenes that Rob Zombie does. That is like, it's just one person or it's one small little scene that goes maybe nowhere, but he always likes to, and he, he's done this in the devil's rejects. He's done this in three from hell. Uh, except for when we talked about the the big bad of three from hell um where he he introduces somebody towards the beginning so that you can get familiar with them at least as them being part of the story that becomes something later on and it's weird to have this girl all of a sudden show up and then just leave kind of mysteriously to not come back later
1: but you know know? what one small thing we didn't say even though hopefully it's
2: obvious she was in devil's rejects (laughs) (laughs) candy right or whatever her name is whatever her name is so you you know that she's gonna do something it's not that you just like again it's this is that type of film where they're just not he's not just using characters for one-off unless they're like the butt of a joke like it's comedic relief like you know lucky leo over here that's comedic relief so it's quick you know or, or unless he plans to you know I'm pretty sure that Snoopy is going to die off at at some moment soon or, you know, because we know what the movie is about and we know where it's going because the trailers really tell you what's going to happen in the movie. You just don't know how it's going to happen. So from here, it's turning night. They've got the gas all or (laughs) the van Winnebago, whatever you want to call the damn thing, all gassed up and they're driving on the road and it's late at night. And all of a sudden the distance, there's a bunch of like scarecrows in the middle of the road. And so they stop the van and they wonder why the hell are you stop in the van? Well, because there's shit in the road. So Roscoe, Snoopy, and Panda, they all go outside and they go to check out what's going on. And then Snoopy is attacked from behind by a bunch of weird, like hamburger looking guys. <laughs> all they need is the giant fucking hamburger head. That'd be great. And then they're there. That would have been fantastic. And then you'd have had like, uh, what, what was the Remiss. fucking. Grimace, yeah, you'd have a Grimace show up. Except for he got like big ass fucking teeth in the center of his chest and starts chopping the shit out of people's heads. Oh, man.
1: Ronald McDonald's creepy and it fits. He could have been a clown in 31.
2: Yeah, Rob Zombie's Ronald
1: McDonald. (laughs) That'd be awesome. (laughs) I wonder what the Mayor McCheese would be like. (laughs) Uh. Well, man, and it's so reminiscent to see this kind of setup of the Scarecrow's in the road because it's a flashback to House of a Thousand Corpses in a sense.
2: Yeah, I would say that you got a little bit of that going on here. He's using definitely themes from all the movies, except for of course, three from hell. Cause this wasn't made yet. This is 2016. Um, and so it's, uh, he, he basically, well, they basically leave Snoopy to die. Right. Oh no, they drag her back onto the bus or Winnebago or whatever it is. And it's, it's kind of messed up because they basically kill everybody, but, the five main people that we've talked about, right? Trick, Trixie's dead, Fatty's dead, and <laughs> Snoopy's dead. <laughs> fat
1: Randy is his actual name, but you're
2: close. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Fatty addy okay, so he's he got killed off, and that sucks because you know even if the fat guy is probably not going to survive, uh, you know a hellish nightmare of mazes and killer clowns and everything like that. These random like heads, at least let him try. Why well, do you just got to kill off the fat guy? Maybe the odds were against him. Maybe. Maybe he wasn't, uh, you know, he didn't get a good ranking in the polls. And so, you know, he got fucked. So they they force everybody to go to wherever they're at, which is weird because it doesn't seem like... The, were they blindfolded? That was one thing I, like, I couldn't quite remember. Well, see, in this scene, this is whenever we get some of the
1: creative camera angles. And, and one thing I want to say about this movie, too, is it... It has an ext- and I know you're probably going to say something about the pacing, but there are some scenes that have long shots, and there's some scenes that have like 15 shortcuts, mm-hmm. right? And it's very fast paced. And so, but then we'll get like freeze frames, just like Rob always does, which I do love. But at some point, it's so hard to remember if they had like tarps pulled over their face, you know, like black bags or whatnot. But it's such a quick scene.
2: Yeah, it, it really is like they go outside, they're kind of joking about something about the scarecrows being out there. And then all of a sudden, they're attacked. And it's like, cut, 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 cut. Right. And then they're they're back in the van. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, when did they kill Trixie? When did they kill Fatty Bumble Addy back there? And, you know, are they blindfolded because they're taken to a secret location? And I think at that point, when they're like just in the bottom of the van, like they're just sitting there. They're all looking at each other before it cuts to the next scene. It does, yeah. And it,
1: maybe their mouths are tied or something. There's some slight bondage going on, but
2: yeah. But still, I don't I, know, man, I get it. You're also out in the middle of nowhere, so who knows where the fuck you are, right? It's they not also be... don't
1: intend on them surviving to tell anybody.
2: That's also true, but you know what, people. That's why you play the game. You play to the last possible second because there's sometimes you can win the game. And we're going to see if anybody's going to be able to win this game of 31. So let's go ahead and get introduced to the, what would you call them? Like the Stub- wigs? <laughs> no. They have names, though.
1: They well, do have
2: names. They do have names. Oh, but the, call them the Victorians, man. Who cares? The Victorians, whatever the fuck you want to call them. So you have Sister Dragon, Sister Serpent, and Father Napoleon Horatio Sealess Murder. Do they ever say his full fucking name? Of course they don't say that. They, they don't. I think you hear Sister Serpent once throughout the whole thing. And I don't even think they talk to Sister Dragon. Like, she talks. She's in a, a couple scenes. I don't remember which one's fucking which. I can't tell you. I only know who Father Napoleon Horatio Silas Murder is. Or is it Silas? I don't fuck. Why the fucking long-ass name if you're never <laughs> going to use it? Yeah, Father Murder works for me, man. Sounds like the sound uh, start of a punk song right there. It does. Yeah, like it could be an AFI song. But nonetheless, let's everybody's been now tied up to these things. They've all been given numbers, and let's hear Father Murder over here uh, talk about the game of thirty-one.
0: I bid you welcome, oh nameless and number ones. Tonight we are going to play. Thirty-one. What is thirty-one, pray tell? Ah, well, thirty-one is war. And as the old saying goes, war is hell. <laughs> In exactly one hundred and twenty seconds, we will begin. And all you have to do is survive 12 hours inside the walls of our own private little hell. (laughs) And now, for the survival odds,
2: as we see fit.
0: Number one, 50 to one. Number two, 500 to one. Number three, 100 to one. Number four, 60 to one. Number five, five hundred to one. Now, what do you have to do to survive? If you are not, we have some very colourful heads for you tonight, and they're here for one reason, and for one reason only—to kill you in the most violent way possible.
2: Feast your eyes, and behold, sick heads. So, we know that I and I cut out some of Sickhead, but we'll be introduced to Sickhead in a bit because I fucking love Sickhead as well, and we know who Sickhead is played by because we just ran into him in the last podcast. We did so thirty one. Is, uh, is that a good explanation for what they're going to be going through?
1: Not exactly. It's the it's a synopsis of saying you're trapped. And for 12 hours, shit's going to head your way. That's it.
2: That's it. It's like they, ha- they have no plans for anything. And as we learn, spoiler alert for later on in the movie, they don't know what would happen if somebody won. Like, what do we do? What do we do if somebody wins? The way that Malcolm McDowell's character delivers
1: sets you up, though, to know that this is a game that's been going on for a long
2: time. And I, as weird as all that shit is, the, the wigs the paint on their face, the all the Victorian, the random fucking naked ladies all over the place. And when I say naked, I mean, completely fucking naked that you can see everything. Um, And and for some reason, they love their naked ladies completely shaved and completely waxed at the same time. I'm like, okay, like, why is that the first thing that I have to fucking notice in this? And why don't I not care that that's what I'm noticing? Uh, But it's, It's so ridiculous. Like, everything is so ridiculous. But at the same time, it fucking works. And it works because of those actors. Because the way that Malcolm McDowell plays this role. He plays it like he's giddy and he's excited. And this is like, this is fun time for him. And all of them do too. And the fact that we also get odds for everybody. The two ladies, of course, get the shittiest odds that there is. But I'm so surprised that fucking Charlie gets the same odds as Venus And Venus is much, much older than Charlie is.
1: Yeah, they just, I guess when they're looking, they're like um, scrawny ladies ain't going to put much up of a fight.
2: But we'll see. Yeah, they're like black dudes, you guys are going to survive the best. And the one white dude, you're going to do better than the ladies. (laughs) You're somewhere in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're kind of tall, lanky. I think that that mutton chop is what's going to keep you behind here. (laughs) Chance of survival with a mutton chop, 200 to 1. (laughs) Unless he uses his teeth. He's going to be chopping on foals, huh? <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> you can't see it because we're doing this live video thing, and if I ever put a video of the podcast up, you'd see it, but you won't. Um, um, maybe I'll dude, put it down They as can it. hear it. They know what it looks like, though. <laughs> That's true. Maybe we'll just add it as a, a special clip to the YouTube channel or something. Uh, but uh, it's, it's really kind of ridiculous, to be honest with you, Like that it, it works so well. That, that is the biggest thing. I didn't expect it. I remember seeing it in the trailer. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, you hear about it. You see this, like, lavish. And they're in this lavish, 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 lavish fucking area. It's beautiful. It's absolutely it beautiful. It's like the inside of a great cathedral church, like, what they're using. And then the, where they throw them into, it's like, that's behind the door? Like, you guys are pretty sick. And I guess I understand why you like playing the game.
1: Yeah, and you know how it goes, man. The office is always nicer than what they're
2: selling. <laughs> that's true. You know, that fountain out front, it really makes the place look really, really nice. But it doesn't stop the, you from finding out about the sweatshop that's behind the fountain. So let's go ahead and get introduced a little bit to our little friend over here by the name of Sickhead. average
0: human is quite resilient. <laughs> Events that disgust us watch it. ...quickly become infinitely acceptable to the next. Sometimes the weak ones have the most fight, or perhaps they're just the luckiest, I don't know. But as we like to say around here, the dirtier you work, the luckier
2: you get. So this is kind of weird, kind of awkward, but I'm going to leave it the way that it is because... Uh, that's a little bit later than where we talk about Sickhead. And I actually did cut out the stuff that I thought that I was going to include. So I apologize to everybody that's listening here. But we'll get up to that that little clip there. Basically that's when they're thrown into everything. And the, I guess it's like words of encouragement. I guess. No. Like play dirty and you might survive. Is basically kind of what he's telling them. For the most part. But Sickhead. Sickhead is our little midget Mexican Nazi. Or Spanish Nazi. Or... How how would you put it? little angry person. Yeah. <laughs> and like he's he, great. And oh, if you've seen Three from Hell, so good. you know who he is. Yeah, exactly. He plays our little, uh, you know, one-eyed uh, midget friend or dwarf friend or little person friend. Uh, however you want to say it. But he's basically Me- Mexican little Hitler in this <laughs> movie. It, and it's so funny, too, because I remember... You know, I'd watched this a couple of times.
1: I'd watched it with the commentary. I've even went into a 31 panel and got to sit down and do Q and a with some of these people here. And the funny thing is it wasn't scripted for him to just speak Spanish. You know, like clearly as we get through this movie, we realize the Nazi thing was part of the character. The whole just Spanish thing was improv by Pancho Moeller and it so works, man.
2: Oh, it's, it's so good. It's like, the, the thing is, and this is where like part of my issue with the pacing in this, in this movie um, it's, it's not so much the pacing in the, the way that the camera and the, the scenes are that some scenes may be longer, or whatever. It's the pacing of the story. Like this character, I feel like we spend a ton of time with and like maybe too much time to be just the basic, like first bad guy that you meet. Like, Hey, guess what? It's midget Hitler. And that idea is so fucking gangbusters that I'm going to spend 20 minutes on this guy. Yeah, totally,
1: man. This is, you know, you're playing a video game. This is just the first boss here. But, you know, as we know, sometimes first boss can be hard to beat. But with our characters here, it seems like each one of them gets to have a little confrontation with Sickhead for the purpose of just showing off the cool gimmick.
2: Well, and, and even when we, we get done with sick head, one of the, and I remember if it's in the clip, we may hear it later. And this is jumping ahead a little bit, but I've already done that once, So fuck it. Um, <laughs> one of the people behind says, well, I wasn't expecting the first one to die so fast. And I'm like, but it wasn't fast for the first one to die. Like it wasn't that quick unless in the world that it is, it was super quick, but in their time and the movie, it it's actually quite some time that we were going with, you know, to get to that point to see Sickhead actually defeated. Well, maybe it's because unlike things we get into in the middle of the film,
1: this was kind of a big cat and mouse right up front chase.
2: Yeah. And it kind of all starts a little bit with uh Levon over here, because everybody wakes up in the different parts of this like I don't know, like, almost like a boiler room type of situation, yeah. like a factory. Yeah. Um, and everybody has a weapon. They all have different ones. Like Levon gets a machete, or I'm sorry, a machete. Uh, and uh, Charlie gets a bat, and uh, the pipe goes to Panda, I believe. I don't remember what Roscoe gets. Do you remember what Roscoe and, and Venus get? I wish like, I he did. Has a, he has a crowbar. That's <laughs> right. He has a crowbar because he talked about the crowbar. Right? right. Everybody. And it also seems like everybody kind of sort of like it's all tailored to them specifically in some way, shape or form. But I really don't remember what Venus had, to be honest with you. But she got something. And so we see, you know, our big introduction past the beginning, because the, the first, you know, he comes out, uh, our little, you know, sick head comes out and he starts just like yelling at all of them in Spanish as he goes through and berating everybody. And when the game starts, the next time that we actually see Sickhead is where he's wearing a, ben- a bunny suit, walking down the hall, searching for people. And we have this confrontation with Levon.
0: What are you doing? Open the fucking gate! <laughs> I'm going to put this fucking knife so far up your fucking ass! Ooh, that's some of I might like that. Yeah. Fucking Chihuahua! <laughs> you think it's funny? Ah, pittoresque, are you? Open the fucking gate! Fuck you! I'm coming for you, boy. Number four always dies first. We're going to get so friendly, it's going to kill you. I'm fucking coming for you. Leave my puto. Open the fucking gate! Open the fucking gate! I'm coming for you. I'm, coming I'm fucking for you. coming for you! I'm fucking coming for you!
2: You know the funny thing is is that he's supposed to be walking down the hallway with both arms stretched out and carrying the knife and arms. he can't reach it. <laughs> and so you can tell because Rob he moves the camera like to the right so that way you can see him scrape it against the right wall. But yes. you never have to worry about him seeing the other side of it. Even though it's like, okay, well, he's supposed to be scraping both sides. But when he does it for the first reaction shot, he can't reach either.
1: It's yeah, terrible. Well, you know, he doesn't reach the walls, but he definitely reaches my point of frustration. Because that is one of the most annoying fucking things in the world is when people are just sitting
2: there mocking you and you can't do anything about it. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's great. I love the way he delivers it. It's, it's like, like, I thought he was good in Three from Hell. But I feel like he's much, much better in this. Even though he's not, well, I guess he has about as much screen time in this as he has over there. Maybe he has a little less in Three from Hell. But yeah. you feel for that character over there. Over here, like I just enjoy watching him be this. Like I can't believe that I'm liking the Nazi midget over here. I wouldn't. It, it's just the way that he reacts to him too, and calls him a chihuahua. He just. <laughs> <laughs> like and the guy he's having a great
1: time doing this role oh, and yeah as we know this came before three from hell so this is like his big break as an actor
2: oh yeah and it's kind of a weird role to be your big break <laughs> nobody forgets it so the other thing that we see is that roscoe and panda they're kind of like, they met up with each other. They almost attack each other at one point too. Like they turn the corner and they're like, why didn't you tell me it was you? Well, why would I say that it's me if I expect you to be somebody else? Like, right. that's a smart point. <laughs> why would you announce yourself? Hey, it's Roscoe. <laughs> and then here comes little little Nazi guy over here. <laughs> you know. No, he'd be like,
0: hey, it's Roscoe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bitch, it's Roscoe. <laughs>
2: Or it wouldn't be, but, hey,
0: put that's rascal.
2: <laughs> that's right. And so they come across this door, and they open it up, and it's like the lair of sickhead, right? It's got all these Nazi flags everywhere and all this, like, you know, he's got his little prayer temple to fucking Hitler and, and everything that he's got in there. And then they see two bodies in there, and they, like, go and they lift them up real fast, and then turns out to be nobody that they know. And they're like, I'm roscoe i love his lines i'm so glad for me to be completely fucking wrong
1: yeah and he's he's selling that laugh man he is throwing he is beyond himself that because uh, he thought it was charlie
2: yeah he thought it might be charlie and venus you know when they go in there and they see this because there's two ladies that are in there but now is this anybody that we recognize for a second there i thought one of them was snoopy but i guess neither of them are like they're just somebody from another time
1: yeah, I I did the same thing. I was kind of hoping it was. I thought that would add more to the story if mm-hmm. you know, like emotionally they would kind of be like we're screwed when they see that, but I, it looked like
2: two blondes and I didn't recognize either one of them. So, yeah. You know, you can only recognize somebody by their their tits for so long. But <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> another thing with this camera work. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, that's a, a kind of a thing with the zombie. He's very obsessed uh with breasts. Like whenever they're there, there's usually like close up shots they're perfectly framed so right. you know, they they're just there you know you make sure that hey i'm using boobs in this movie you fucking see those boobs so he uh they they kind of cut from this and then we go see charlie and charlie's in a bathroom and she's kind of like is she up on the toilet seat because it seems like the toilet seat is to the right of her and she still has her feet on the ground or she doesn't have her feet on the ground. I, I, because of the perspective, I couldn't figure out which it was. Exactly. So she's definitely on the ground, whether she's sitting on her feet or not,
1: she's not on the toilet because they showed the one camera view over the top. And we see that you're right. She's to the right of the toilet. But whenever we see like from her perspective, how she's looking out, it's like, she's looking at a down angle. Cause she's looking under the door. Cause she's got the door closed, which
2: makes it look like she's on the toilet, but
1: you know, she's not as short. So no.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean it's fine it's just it's kind of a weird perspective when you're looking at the the whole scene. Uh so she's hiding and we start hearing, you know, good old sickhead and him doing his little like chant cuz he's just joyfully walking around uh trying to find whoever he wants to kill and eventually he gets over to where she's at and everything seems like it's quiet and we get one of those kind of stereotypical scares but Honestly, it's relatively effective because it got me again this time you know little our little sick head just pokes his head from underneath the door, and it's almost like he's he he's almost pulling like a chucky at the same time you know <laughs> yeah. it's 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 our little uh Mexican Hitler midget chucky that we've got going on here man he's just going to keep adding to himself eventually he's going to be something else
1: that's because in any other sequence like this scene is done in so many horror movies and you know what it is you're looking under the door and you're watching somebody walk across but in his case he's able to not just show his feet he just takes a dive under the door and it's that you know here's johnny kind of thing and uh with the music that's leading up you expect it but it still gets you Oh, and you know who's doing some of the music in this? Is it Wayne Toth, the same guy that's been doing the music? No, yeah, got John
2: Five is doing some of the music in this movie.
1: That's right. Mr. So. Uh, Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson and all the other cool fucking bands he gets to play with.
2: Yeah, and, and basically Rob did a lot of the music for it too. He has a couple of his own things that are in here. Um, and it's, it's really fantastic. I think that it accentuates the the right parts of the music, the movie. And when it's used in other scenes, it's not overwhelming like some other scores can be. You know, I said Wayne Toth, he might be the special effects guy. I
1: just know Poss- his name is attached to like so many of these projects. And I was always happy to see his name pop up. It's just like, what did he do?
2: <laughs> so we, we see her get scared by, you know, good old sickhead, And she manages to... Well, he kind of like leaves her alone, right? And then she runs into Levon. And when she runs into Levon, they're they're talking, but then good old sickhead comes out and attacks poor Levon and stabs him right in the shoulder. You know, and then here comes, and I put this in here, there's not a whole lot of dialogue, but I just kind of want to give you a sense of what's going on and kind of the tension that is brought to this scene where – Honestly, sickhead is really honestly not giving two shits about Charlie, but how it kind of the tension both scares her and scares the audience.
0: Damn bitch! Do something with that slugger. Is he dead? I don't know. Son of a bitch! I think I broke his neck. What did you give me? Uh, I can't tell. I think in the shoulder blade. Fuck! I gotta stop the bleeding. Here, put some pressure here. Ah, God! ¡Pacador! Hola puta. Hola tarrita! Hola. Ve, ve, ve. Get away, Vamos. Vamos.
2: a meter por el culo, mierda. Ah. Quiero jugar conmigo, puta.
0: venga, venga.
2: Sí, voy a venir. Sí. Venga. Venga. Venga.
0: Venga. Estás bien loca tú. ¿Quieres? Ah, sí me gusta. Ah. ah, ah. La ahora, ah? ah. Ay,
2: me... ¿Quieres jugar ahora? ¿Quieres? ¿Quieres? ¿Quieres jugar conmigo? Sí. ¿Estás loca? ¿Estás loca, puta?
0: Soy loco en la cabeza.
2: Corre, mierda.
0: Ah. Corre, corre, corre,
2: corre, 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 number five.
0: Cause I'm going to go kill number four and then I'm going to come back for you and I'm going to kill you nice and
2: slow. Okay. Run and
0: hide. Go
2: hide. You can't kill number five. Cause number five's alive. Didn't you ever fucking see short circuit, but the, the whole thing is pretty crazy. And if you don't understand what's going on, like she's saying, you want this, you want this, tequeras, tequeras, uh, and then you know he's calling her crazy, he's calling her a bitch. She says, yeah, I'm crazy and head local in the cabeza. Uh, you know those those little things. These are things that my grandma used to say to me. So except for puta, she never really told me that you know to my face. But you know, I I know some of these stuff. Uh, but it's it's crazy because. she thinks that she's egging him on and she's trying to like get her escape like he's trying to draw him away but at the same time he's like i know my surroundings and so he's cornering her without her ever fucking noticing it like he's not really trying to make an advance on her because he honestly he could and he could probably stab the shit out of her and just leave her for fucking dead yeah so i'm watching the scene and i'm like When the hell does she learn
1: Spanish? Like, cause she's like carrying this conversation. Like, i well, thank you for breaking that down. Cause I didn't know what the hell she was saying. (laughs) She's like, she thinks that she is luring him away from Levon. And this whole time I am falling victim to the same thing. I'm like, okay, cool. And then we notice that he's like, nope, I'll deal with you later. Close the gate. And it just reminds me that at any point in time, this is a death
2: house. You never know what can happen yeah, they actually know like the ins and outs of everything here and you don't, that's the thing. So you're right. Anything could happen in this place. And it's, it, it's a good sense of tension because you are like worried about her, right? You don't want to see her die. And here she's being put into a corner. Like, Oh shit. Is he going to get her? Is he going to get her? And then he just kind of laughs and closes a gate in her face. Like huh, yep. you better go away. Cause I'm going to go kill him first. Cause and and it's a smart thing to do, right? That guy's injured. Let's get rid of him before he comes back and fucks me. And then I'm going to come after you. So you better get yourself a head start. Well, you know, every person you kill adds into that paycheck. That's right. And, you know, she I did fail, fail to mention that she did give him a nice smack on the back. Like when he did stab, uh, you know, poor Levon in the shoulder, you know, he got, uh, you know, basically knocked in the head by her. Yeah.
1: And dude... Um... Not to spend too much time on that scene, but when you said he was like Chucky, this is another time because he where does he come from? He like flies in, lands on the back and just goes, Rayleigh, man, all of just hop off, hop off, like a Chucky doll. Just, yeah. and, and just fling them
2: off. <laughs> yeah, just just grab them and fucking throw them. <laughs> <laughs> it is a fire. Yeah, they're carnies. They've done tons of like midget talks and competitions. It should be easy. <laughs> but, you know, what? no one could ever get the ring to land on the
1: glass. Nobody's going home with the fish.
2: No, no, they're just going to go home with, uh, well, they may go home with the fish, but it's going to die in the next couple of days because it's been traveling inside that bus for, like, who God knows how when. Uh, so, basically, we get down to it that, you know, he does go back and he tries to kill Levon. Eventually, they do all kind of get to Sickhead, and they do eventually kill him. And, and how exactly do they kill him, Dave? All I remember is his death. What happens?
1: You're going to have to tell me.
2: Oh, well, see, that's the problem. Because <laughs> I exactly don't remember exactly how he dies. I just know that he gets, you know, basically he gets ganged up on by everybody. If, uh, I, think, I think Venus shows up. Yeah, and- well, venus shows up i think charlie shows up as well like charlie somehow gets back there i remember that and then they and she stabs him to death that's like his final thing okay. like she takes the knife one of his knives and starts stabbing him in the heart and i think venus gives him another crack to the back of his head because i think she has like the like a nail bat type of yes thing. yes that's and what so, i was remembering good i'm glad that we remembered this we worked this out Oh, Um, man. You need to like 15 hours of this. It all starts to blend. (laughs) I know. It's just like, wait, how did somebody else in another fucking Rob Zombie movie die? But, yeah, so she ends up because, you know, this is kind of where you see Charlie crack a little bit with the whole situation, like going down and kind of the inner survivalist of her come out. And she goes because she just starts stabbing him like fucking crazy in the chest and and just doesn't stop. And it's one of those things, too, because – after she does it
1: enough times, she gets pulled away and she goes back for more. And this is just another one of those examples of scenes where I'm like, I bet originally they had showed more.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they had showed more. And I think of the next scene that we're coming up to, well, the next scenes, I think there was a lot more that was possibly shown as well. Um, so now Levon, he is fucked up. He is really royally fucked up and he's dying. Panda grabs him and is trying to comfort him and Levon tells him, hey, you know what? Your mama, she told me that I was her son and I'm your brother. You know." And he's like, yeah, you're my brother from another mother. And he's like, no, I'm your brother from your own mother. Like We're, <laughs> we're fucking related and I'm dying here and I'm trying to confess this to you. It's, it's like a powerful scene out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't understand why it's even in here. Like it it could be that it is just the delusion of him dying, right? Yeah. It it and that could be easy enough. Like and that would be fine for me if that's what we're going with um that you know and that's why Panda keeps saying, "Yeah, yeah, you're my brother from another mother. You're my brother from another mother." He doesn't necessarily believe him and he knows that he's fucking dying. And so it's depression the the that, that kills him. Pretty much. See? <laughs> see that kids don't ever fucking confess you'll live forever Uh, (laughs) at least after you've been stabbed by a midget Nazi Mexican guy oh man Yeah, so many of those roaming the streets (laughs) and Brian that scene is
1: we joke about it but it's it's crazy to watch because he starts going into like convulsions and twitching and it's Oh yeah. Is, is he like choking on blood? Like he starts sporadically twitching and dies just right
2: it, in his arms. It gets really loud. Really loud and really like intense, just like you're saying. It's weird. I I don't know why. This
1: is the scene where you usually watch the person die in mid-sentence they're talking and then their
2: eyes fade back and they drift off quietly that is not what happens here no not at all doesn't go quietly into the sweet sweet night he just convulses a lot and then dies Kind of like a pre-barbecue thing i don't know yeah possibly no ribs sound good right about now so uh from here we cut back and that's where we we see one of the you know the the powderpuff girls that are in there um and she's basically she's kind of saying that well that first kill was fast they don't normally happen that fast and it's funny that number four was the very first person to die but it's not the first black guy to die in the movie so it doesn't break like you know any type of faux pause here you know because the first person to die is technically snoopy who looks like either a gypsy or a mexican i I don't know Mm -hmm. and then then it's Trixie and and fatty they kind of die at the same time but they die off screen Right. kind of sucks
1: you know. But, hey
2: Poncho called it man number four always dies first that's right so that's where they come uh, to the next room and I have a question after we kind of listen to this thing um, and, and I, I just kind of want to see where you, you place with this but they come across a meal fit for a king
0: as we slip into our third hour of non-stop 31 action come enjoy some exquisite dining you may want to try the steak kidney pie followed by the apple crumble hmm delicious for one of you this of course might be your last supper (laughs) those
2: twisted fuckers fuck
0: this is impressive it to admit. But this layout? Oh man, it looked better than my mother's New Year's brunch. Yeah, and I assumed it's all laced with rat poisoning. Well, I'm relatively sure it's safe. Seriously? Mm-hmm. What could possibly make you say that? Because we're playing their game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it! My stomach's so empty, you're touching it back. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> mm. You enjoying that? Come on. Hmm. feel it, you feel all you look looking at me, get judging, don't. He made a stone. Look, man. What happened to me, man, if I'm back there, man, This fucking horrible. I mean, man, He was, he was my best friend in the whole goddamn world. It's either you motherfuckers come on the Gadget. picture. Your business friend's blood is all over my hands. And that's why I and I will stay alive. I don't do it on an empty stomach. So you,
2: you and you, I suggest you all do the same. So eventually Roscoe does join on eating. He says, fuck it. And then Venus kind of does. She doesn't really. She's just kind of sitting there. But I I think that she might have started a little bit. And that's where Charlie kind of starts roaming around the room for a second. And then she looks down at the table. And Dave, what does she see? She pulls back that tablecloth. And look who it is, guys. The guy that we just lost. Now, How the fuck did that happen? Like, how did it happen so fucking fast? And so, here's the
1: thing that I've put together. Um, I think, and this goes back to also, like, how are people watching this as it happens? How do they know when people are getting killed? It's the goons, man. The goons are here, and not only do they escort our killers around, but I think they do all the setup and prop up, too. So, I don't think this is a luxury barbecue, but, you know, after they leave, leave on dead, the goons get them, (laughs) chop them up and
2: encase them. So you're saying that the, the goon squad is going around and they are magically picking up the bodies, taking them, filleting it, slicing out the ribs for perfect tenderness, marinating it, putting it on the grill and serving it in time for them to come in there, like, how long does this actually take? Two things. One, you did call them hamburglers, so don't be surprised
1: that they can cook. (laughs) And two, I hear what you're saying, and I felt that way on my first watch. I thought it was, I loved it. I, I was just like, that's awesome. But at the same time, I was wondering, wow, was that just parallel scenes there wasn't enough time but i think after subsequent watches there's some more things going on in between and although i'm trying to defend rob zombie here maybe there was more stuff that got cut out in the beginning and it made the scenes too close together
2: that's that's a possibility it could be one of those things that maybe in part of the nc 17 version they actually went and got the body, and you saw them chop it up and do whatever they needed to do to get it ready. Do you think they go around singing Fashion by David Bowie? They just start do. going I around? Think, I
1: think it's some sort of 80s. Uh, what do we call those? Uh, not monologue, but. Um, Montages?
2: Montages. That's definitely what happened. They're, they're chopping up the body. And they, we are the Scott and we're coming to town. Beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ooh, fashion. <laughs> and that's why I want the unrated version i want to see that
2: yeah no well you know anytime anybody can sing some david bowie i'm totally down uh so yeah they all then and you get probably one of the coolest uses of his like still screen uh transition that he's done and i really actually did enjoy like some of the other ones i'm kind of like oh okay it's just kind of that transition i you do it all the goddamn time like do a new fucking transition already after watching these movies like you can do do a star wipe for me please this <laughs> star wipe and then at least it's different than this like freeze frame move to the side little you know book yeah but
1: yeah you know one thing i forgot to call out i'm sure you already know but Levon, did you catch him he was also in three from hell he was the guy on the parole board
2: yes yeah so, he was the guy that hey. was that was uh killed and shot in the stomach left yeah. to die kevin
1: jackson Yep. but and he, uh he uh he doesn't make it out of this one either so no
2: oh, well he gets eaten <laughs> After By his friends yes but you have the cool like transition of it stops that everybody's found out who it is then it moves to a just one single frame of levon and then moves to the next frame where Roscoe is puking levon up yep <laughs> and i think that that like a little transition thing is kind of cool because it, it, like, if you didn't recognize the body that's kind of mutilated underneath the table there, now I'm going to show you it, it right to your face. Hey, guess who this is? Guess, guess.
1: <laughs> it works, man. And it's, it's that Rob Zombie fashion that we were introduced to in House of a Thousand Corpses. And
2: to me, it, I don't know, man, it doesn't get old. I love it. Ooh, fashion. <laughs> so from, from here they now you know they've eaten their fill of their friend and thrown up their fill of their friend and they continue on and we get to like kind of like a circus area right well actually it's not just the circus area we get to see the two new like heads and this is sicko head and what was the name of the other head psycho head psycho head and so they're there and they basically introduce themselves right and they it's kind of an interesting scene it's not one that i included in because it just was one super super long two like kind of a weird back and forth it didn't feel like it uh well it wasn't super long it would have made the last scene like super super long because uh, instead of cutting like a 15 second scene out and playing it you know it would have made that scene with all the extra pauses and everything like a three minute scene and i kind of just you know, we're going to get enough of these two guys in just a moment as it is. So you can miss the, when they come into the movie. <laughs> but one of them is very familiar. And I think we pointed it out in the last episode as well. So, and I, I can't remember which one's which. Oh,
1: I got you, bro. So let's, let's take it from here. So we have the, uh, the taller, skinnier one, right? And that's Psycho Head. And he's played by Lou Temple, who we knew from Devil's Rejects. So there's one. And his brother on the other side is David Yuri, who is Schizohead, who we should remember from Three from
2: Hell. He's the guy that was interviewing Sid Haig. Yes. So, and it, you can definitely tell after seeing this film, like, I was like, okay, after doing Three from Hell first and then getting to this, like, if I'd seen it backwards, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I guess that is him. But, like, this way, seeing that before watching this again, I was like, oh, that's totally him. Clears like, day. I, I clear as day. Yeah. I can see through the makeup. I can, whatever it is, but they basically tell them how they're going to come after them and, you know, meet my big Dick, which happens to be his chainsaw. It has Dick written on the side of the goddamn chainsaw. <laughs> and his brother also has a chainsaw. So we've got chainsaw wielding clowns. I love it. Oh, yeah. And uh, so the next scene, they, after they like, it's weird too, because all of the like heads, come and then they leave them alone for a little bit like to instill fear i guess like would yeah, you say maybe yeah i mean that's the only thing that makes
1: sense to me is like hey we're you know we're the next level that you're about to face you better get
2: prepared and it's quite courteous that they get a breather yeah you know at times though this game kind of reminds me this game this movie kind of reminds me of the game manhunt i don't know if you've ever played or seen that game before
1: I know the game you're talking about. I remember the cover and everything,
2: but I've never played it. It's, it's interesting, but it's, that's more about you trying to kill the people before they kill you. I guess it's kind of the same thing, oh, like, I mean, yeah. that you're, you're being stealthy and you're basically there's a bunch of killers that are out there trying to kill you and you have to dispose of them, but you have all these, you know, insane, crazy ways to kill all of them, uh, from paper plastic bags to, you know, knives and swords and two-by-fours and whatever you have no chainsaws i don't remember i didn't make it very far in the game because it was honestly kind of boring to me like but this movie like reminds me a lot of that game in the way that it's done like here's now the big bad guys of the level like you know this is the more violent scott pilgrim versus the world like type of video game movie so here's the next level's bosses and you got to make sure that you manage to get out of it so they start Hightailing out of it, and they all agree that they have to stay together, right? That's the one thing we're not going to break apart. Make sure that we stay together, and so they end up inside what seems like a circus tent, right? And uh, this is the coming scene is probably one of the scenes that that bothered me most, not for the content, but for what how it was shot. Yeah. Um, but they they when they run inside of the room, they see something on the ground which spooks them and it happens to be a blow-up doll. But it's not a blow-up doll, it actually happens to be a lady.
1: Jesus Christ, oh ah! Don't flip out on me now, man, come on. Help me, help me, please.
0: Oh, I, I need to go home, everyone is waiting for me. Oh, sweet Jesus. Jesus, help me, I'm tired.
1: No, 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 no. What's your name, honey?
0: Georgina Victor. But my my husband calls me little Georgina. Hold the fuck up. Hold the fuck up. Hold the fuck up. up. Put me the fuck down. Panda, what do you think? Put me the fuck down. We don't take a chance of letting her her run loose. She's one of us. Look at her. Look at her. She might be somebody's daughter, but all I know is she's getting closer around here and everything goes around. Shut up. Panda, shut the fuck up. He's yeah. right. This is not a good idea. Please, please, I know a way out. I've heard them talking. I believe you. Wait, 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 wait. Shit, they fucking found us. We got the security cams. I knew it. Fucking knew it. She sounded the alarm. She sounded the fucking alarm. You psycho fucking bitch. Yeah, I know you, <laughs> Tallahassee Molina. I know right. you. Shut the fuck up, Roscoe. You don't listen okay. to me. No, listen to me. Look at her. Look at her. Yeah. You are falling for her. we got to get something to knock off the door. No, one of these pipes. Look at me. Look at me. No. Are you
2: fucking going to help me or not? Look at me. So and then what's really weird that happens is that there's like a grate over in a corner and you see a hand come out and this other clown from underneath starts calling out to Georgie. Tell her to, to come over here. And I, everything floats down here or some weird shit. <laughs> see, I'm glad you went there because I went a different way with that. Oh. It's like my husband
1: – so you, you know who this character is, right, by her name? it, it It's the, the wife of the pastor from the beginning of the movie. Right. Now, I don't want to go too far with this, but hold on a second. Your pastor husband – calls you little Georgie like a boy yeah what's happening
2: (laughs) it's what's wrong telling us here but again how long then like has she been with him because this supposedly happens every year or this is supposed to be a whole year apart so she's been down here strapped and basically being continually raped and cut by these two
1: brothers That's what I'm thinking. Maybe force fed to stay alive in some shape or fashion. But you know, in the Mm -hmm. opening scene when we have Doomhead, he says that she's going to be here for quite a
2: while. And so I guess a quite a while until the next game is played. You know, I could make a protein joke, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'll probably be very distasteful. Hey, you know, Monster Uh, make a protein drink. It's awful. Just saying. So. Uh, you have them there and they're basically, you got Venus and Roscoe arguing with each other and Roscoe kind of is acting like a little kid here. You never listen to me. You never <laughs> listen to me. Like, yeah, I get it. You guys have probably actually honestly should have listened to him and just fucking moved on. But instead now you're going to be stuck in this situation where uh, you have, you know, the gates are closing down on you and now you guys are totally separated by bars as both you know panda and charlie they're trying to find something to prop the door and to make sure that they don't they don't come in and they're busy arguing about whether or not they're going to help this girl that's basically tied down with like barbed wire well yeah and the barbed wire is in her
1: skin like it's really bad and this was one of the scenes that disturbed me the most because it clearly looks like a blow-up doll but that's because pieces of a blown-up doll are sewn to the outskirts of her body. Oh yeah, disgusting, dude. It's it's horrific, and and I'm thinking if you're not going to help her, put her out
2: of her misery. Like she's, dude, she's beyond done at this point. Yeah, if there's no way that you can get her out of there, don't just fucking leave her. Like right. you got to be like, you got to help her in one way or another, and maybe one way you're not going to want to help her, you know. But the gates come down, and so now they're totally separated. And then on one side you've got you know uh, schizohead. Right, and yep. I just fucking always miss these two fucking. Schizohead is trapped with Charlie and it's trapped with Charlie and Panda. So he comes out, starts attacking them, and then on the other side, you got Psychohead who pops up out of like the the like background material that's there. Couldn't mm-hmm. tell if it was like hay or it was like another like blow up thing or or <laughs> balloons like, or what the fuck. Like,
1: hey, you guys. <laughs> Hey, you
2: guys. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, fuck, it's Fat Albert. Run. <laughs> I thought he died in the bus earlier. <laughs> oh, no. Fat Albert's going to roofie us all. <laughs> Fate worse than death. What? You know who he's voiced by. Oh, um, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, but so he's, he comes out of the thing. And then right away, he just fucking lays his chainsaw into the poor lady that's there. Yeah, right in the uh, nether regions. Uh, and it's terrible. Like, okay, well, you know what? I meant to kill them, but I'm done with fucking you. So I'm just going to tear you up from the – I'm going to pull a terrifier on you is what I'm going to do. That's it. That's deadly. It And, uh, you know, what's
1: going through his mind right now is I'm done with you, and I see something else over here.
2: Yep. And so he goes, and he basically we have an interesting fight between everybody here where we possibly get one of my favorite, like, insult lines of the entire movie from Roscoe.
0: God damn!
1: Look what the fucking cat drug in! Two blind mice. See how they're dumb. Even the fucking mice know how to get out of a maze, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. 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 Uh-huh.
0: Looks like I need a new fuck bag, and after I get done with pork chop, you're it, Get behind me. You gotta go
1: through me for her. You're gonna be my fuck bag. Come on, bring it. All that chivalry is worthless,
2: motherfucker. Like tits on a boar Come on, fence! Meet Mister Fucking Dickhead Sideburns. Ah! Uh, so we got a couple good ones. Like you're gonna be my fuck bag. Like, uh, okay, uh, that's good. <laughs> And you're like, tits on a boar hog. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Whatever the fuck it's, that means. You have to wonder at some point how much is improv. Because we've said this before and we'll say it again, man. Like, these actors are having so much fun playing these characters. And I know a lot of them play in a lot of movies together. But we're going to have one-offs where we don't see these actors get to be in the same scenes again. And yep. I feel like they chew the whole scene as much as possible. And it shows,
2: man. I, I love it. Yeah, they they definitely are enjoying themselves as they're pulling these rolls. And so we see uh, Psycho's head. He goes and attacks them, too, and there's a a chainsaw versus what would you call a crowbar fight Mm -hmm. that's going on over here. And on the other side, you've got, you know, both Panda and Charlie, you know, defending themselves with what they've got against the chainsaw with the bat. And I think the pipe, yeah, the pipe is what uh, Panda has. Yeah, because I think he pulls it off the wall at this bar, right? I think so, because they were going to... Well, they used pulled off one of the pipes to put it into the door, and I think that uh, whatever the fuck his head is, uh, he cut through (laughs) it. And so they took part of that pipe, and he's using that pipe to defend himself now. So I I don't want to say too much,
1: Brian, but I'm amazed at how long the fights actually go on, because I would have said the chainsaw would have won pretty quickly, but they may
2: not be the best Chainsaw-wielding clowns. Maybe. They they seem to be terrible Chainsaw-wielding clowns. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, uh, he, well, I would say that Psycho, you know, head over here, he's not bad because he does get a couple licks in on Roscoe. Like he hits him in his arm and he hits him, I think, uh, at one other point on his body as well. And he does a pretty deep cut on him as well. Uh, but he eventually, as he's going after Roscoe, uh, he trips up and venus forces him down on top of his own fucking chainsaw and And you feel it man it is brutal like that is that scene probably was even more brutal than it actually was too when she forces him down we
1: don't see the chainsaw necessarily and this is what i meant earlier about how it's it's set up like you feel like you see it because what lou temple does is the camera is on his face his hair is in his face it's matted in his paint And he's gurgling on his blood, man. And he's screaming and crying. And you know what's happening. Like that chainsaw blade is tearing and shredding through his intestines.
2: Yeah. And blood is just spewing everywhere.
1: And he fucking deserves it.
2: Yeah, he does because he's a fucking dickhead. And meanwhile, on the outside, uh, well, he's getting killed by dickhead too, (laughs) uh, which is crazy. And then on the outside, you have, you know, Charlie and Panda, they managed to subdue, uh, you know, fuck his head whatever his name is Uh, (laughs) it's not fuck head that's so great it's schizo head but you know what happens
1: is schizo (laughs) head notices his brother's getting killed and I think it takes the fight
2: completely out of him it does and he manages to lose his fucking chainsaw which is a very very bad idea and uh, that's where you know he gets to the ground and he actually begins to plead for his life
0: I don't want to die. I don't want to be here. They make me be We're all part of this stupid game. We don't want to do it. You and me, we're the same. We're the same. <laughs> okay, brother.
2: <laughs> And that's where he cuts his head clean off with the chainsaw. Uh, and you see that. That's probably the bloodiest part, I think, of the movie is actually seeing his head. And I bet you that it was longer than it actually was because it seems relatively quick that he cuts through his head and his head flies off and the blood spews everywhere. And It also spews all over Charlie's face, too. And she it just kind of wipes it and just moves on.
1: Yeah, you're hoping somewhere that there's a version of this that shows the neck separate like the neck separates in John Carpenter's The Thing when the creature detaches. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a quick cut on this, and we see his head roll on the ground, and it's fantastic. Like It's what horror people really like to see. It's a practical effect, and they make it work, and it sells it. But even just hearing the clip with you right now, like the audio is so intense. Like just hearing the blood gurgle and the chainsaw mm-hmm. in the background consistently roaring. It just creates the imagery that you need.
2: Yeah. And it's, I, it's weird too that you say that it's such practical effects. Is like everything in this is a practical effect. And where practical effects, they become so expensive in the, the three years that it took to get to uh, three from hell that we weren't using practical effects anymore. Like, it's, it's weird because even, you know, in The Devil's Rejects, they said that they tried to use practical effects when they could, but some of the effects were digital effects on top of practical effects. So, right. like, the blood spider might be a practical effect, but being shot in the hole that appears in the person, that's a digital effect, you know? And Three from Hell, it's almost all digital effects. Like, I don't know how much is even practical in that. And in here, everything seems practical on a budget, of just uh 1.5 million dollars
1: that's brian it's the way horror movies are supposed to be man like they need to quit making these 40 million dollar movies that just sell us things we don't want to see my biggest usage i think at this point i've said is transitioning but also i like when they use cgi to erase things that Mm -hmm. that is when it is pretty awesome
2: (laughs) to to erase history you mean (laughs) sure (laughs) No, that wasn't over there. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but it's, again, it, it's a, it's an interesting scene because I don't know, you know, they call him Schizohead. Now, does that have anything to do with what's going on here with him? Like that he's having this change of heart. Oh, you forced me to do this, but you loved it so much. Or was it the fact that his brother was really the one that truly was making him do that and he was just going along with things? Like, we don't know a whole lot with him. Or is he just like, trying to like have this, you know, evil change of heart, you know?
1: It's a sense of both for me because you're there, you're participating in everything, you're guilty as charged. But even through the whole thing, whenever Lou Temple's character Psycho Head is kind of starting off everything, it seemed like all Schizohead was doing was agreeing with him and piggybacking uh, off of everything that he said. And so I partially believe that maybe – this he wouldn't
2: be doing it if his brother wasn't doing it but mm-hmm. the fact
1: is you were there man and uh off with your head
2: yeah and he's just like okay especially when he tells him like it's almost like he's trying to be given a reassurance but what he's also telling him at the same time is yeah you're right we are like and i'm just gonna kill you like you would have killed me that's it so I, I really like that i like how these characters kind of like uh, it, grow is such a weird word to use, but that's what they kind of do. Like you see that in the beginning that they're all kind of like scared of being there and their survival instincts just kind of kick in and they almost are becoming as bad as the people that are coming after them. Right. Yeah. They sharpen men. Yeah, totally. So after, you know, poor schizo head is killed, we go back up to the powder hairs up there, our, our old wig girls and boys and you know they talk about uh, well they I believe this comes over the loudspeaker where we get an update on what the percentages is for everybody and also that sex and deathhead are headed their way
0: how fucked am I I don't know man
1: looks pretty bad yeah feels pretty bad
0: I gotta get this tight enough to keep it shut what's that thing you see the kids coming out of the spook house in tears why just tell me. Crying is for pussies. So go grow a pair, you big baby. Get ready to grow a pair, you big baby. Oh. God. Oh. That wasn't so bad, huh? Uh, attention, attention. Number one, odds 40 to one. Number two, odds 301. to one.
2: Number three.
0: One million to one. Uh, five odds, 300 to one.
2: Sex and death are on their way. So at first you're like, huh, sex is on its way. And then you're like, uh, oh, but death is on its way too. That, that, that can't be a good, good combination. And <laughs> the fact... That both Venus and Charlie are at three hundred to one still is fucking ridiculous. Like they've taken people out. Like they, she's the one that basically ha- killed Psychohead, and she and Charlie helped beat out fucking you know what the fuck his name is Ed Sickhead. No, not Sickhead. But no, they uh, did him too. <laughs> yeah, they did Sickhead too. Like she, yeah, they both kind of did Sickhead in as well and uh you know whatever psychotog head that's over here uh that got his head cupped <laughs> off That's schizo schizo head there we go
1: it's um it's an interesting scene because I, I really like how in between each of the clowns they get this rest period dare i say mm. but we also hear on the pa system how much time is passing and how much time is left and I really like that because I feel like it's a double-edged sword thing where they feel comforted knowing that they're getting towards, like there's progression towards this deadline, but it also sucks to know, like, it's like saying, oh, you've lasted halfway. Just imagine having to do it all over again.
2: Now, we're going to be introduced to both Death Head and to Sex Head, right? And I wish that these two weren't in this position, like in the film. I kind of wish that they were in the position of like in terms of these guys are the number threes, right? So these are the the, supposedly the cream of the crop next to our number four. That's going to be, you know, eventually put into the movie, but they don't really seem like the third boss of a video game. They really seem like the second boss of a video game, you know,
1: at least so the thing with, One of them, I will say, is I'm not intimidated. The other one
2: looks intimidating and proves not to be at all. Yeah, exactly. And that they're they're both like, you know, Death Head is big, like he's tall and kind of burly, right? And he that's the intimidating guy. Unless, of course, you think Sex Head is you know intimidating, but uh, she could be. You never know. To some. She's wearing pasties over a bra, which is weird. Yeah. You know, if you're going to wear pasties, you know, at least just wear pasties. Why? Why? I don't get it. But uh maybe that was showing too much nipple and she didn't want to show any nipple. I I, I don't know. She still got cartoons to voice. That's right. She doesn't want to be that. And she's here in paint. So, but he looks like he could beat the crap out of people. And actually we do get... Like this year, before we continue on talking about them, we do get this like little scene of them discussing exactly how they can stop Death Head.
0: What's You know i are going to, to do with that guy. I write my best plea is I circle around, go cut him from the backside. Now once I'm in place, I'll create that distraction. We're only gonna get one shot, so I'll make it proper. Mm-hmm. Death has come to sing its quiet song. How they hide, for it won't be long! Death strikes once, and then it's gone! Where are you, you little fucking cunts? I want to see you!
2: Now, there's one thing that I forgot to talk about in the last scene with the fight between everybody that also kind of happens here as we get into the fights here is the camera becomes extremely shaky. It does. And-, and, and it's, it's way too much. It's he, he wanted to do, I feel like something that was visceral and that was raw and that was like representative of the violence and, and doing these like handheld camera type shots where we get in close and things move around a lot and it but it's just way too goddamn much
1: he's going for submersive right he's putting us in the action and it's not to the point of found footage film but at times it does feel like it because like you said we have the hand cam right it's shaky and i found it so interesting on the most recent rewatch because some of the shots like the framing wasn't great like Earlier, when we're doing steady shots, it's beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. Whenever our characters get to steal the scene, it's magnificent. But when we have these shots here, it's like the camera can barely keep up. And it's basically almost as if the heads are getting cut off. Like we're filming shoulders to waist on most of the action sequences. And I wonder if that's some sort of film trick to make it seem more intense than it is, so you don't have to use much of the
2: effect of being stabbed or hit. I also wonder if it's a, I wouldn't call it a trick, but there's like an editing being done in here to some of, maybe if, if it was like a wider shot than what it actually ended up being, like they zoomed it in to make the violence less than what it actually was. And with that shaky cam and those like, so I don't want to lose these scenes, but they're too violent. And so I need to find a way, another way of kind of calming down the violence and okay, well, it's going to be bringing this more to the forefront, so that yeah, it makes it feel like we're really in the mix of everything. But at the same time, like I have not felt sick from any of these types of movies, and I felt a little sick from this. Well, that's aggravating because you keep making me want to watch the other version. <laughs> I know. Well, and that's the thing is I don't know if that's true. I could be shooting shit out of my ass. I know, right but you're now.
1: selling it. You're selling I mean, it.
2: I I feel like it might be, and and you know, I could be totally wrong and there's only one way to do it. And that's for Rob Zombie to come onto the podcast and explain to us exactly why he did it. Yes. So now joining the zoom. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a hell of a surprise, wouldn't it? Um, Happy Halloween, Halloween everyone. Yeah, He's here you go. Here. He's not here. <laughs> um, But uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it just, so like I said, sometimes it just gets to be too much. That's, that's all it is. And it happens here too, because when and, and there's another effect that happens when we meet, you know, Sex Head and Roscoe in just a little bit. Uh, But as he goes to attack Death Head, as they go to attack Death Head with the distraction and everything like that, the fight between him and Panda is just, it, it's not very hectic in how they swing and how they defend each other. But the camera makes it feel that way because the camera's just shaking too goddamn much. So... Let's go ahead and cut over, and let's see. uh, Sex head catch back up with Roscoe, and that's where we learn that we've met her before. What, Hunter? What am I
0: gonna do with you?
1: Would you like a lick of my lolly?
0: I remember you. I'm so flattered you remember me. Is it hunting time now? Ah! Heavy now. Ah! Don't worry, Popeye. It's always someone's fault. Come here, bitch. Come and get me.
2: Well, I'm kinda high. I'm eating all my fence
1: guess
2: maybe I should really put you in your misery. So I I like her and I don't like her at the same time. And what I don't like about this scene is every time it's it's an epileptic's worst fucking nightmare, is what it is. Because when they go over to her, there's this flashing light and it constantly flashes on her face and it flashes so fast. Like I, I get what you're trying to do and I kinda get the effect here but I don't know if it's fucking really needed because she's not really scary or like terrifying for like that. Like even he's not like, he knows that she's a killer, but he doesn't seem that scared. And he's like, I'm injured. So you're going to send her just after the injured one. Yeah. I disagree with you on
1: how this scene is but i agree with you on how she's doing it so she doesn't look like much but i like and and you're right with the flashing almost like a strobe light vibe i -hmm. thought it was cool because it adds to the intensity of like almost like a a a jump scare right because she's coming at you and you don't know what's going to happen
2: but i think that it's needed otherwise she's not threatening at all no she's she really isn't i mean she's trying her best to be you know a power puff girl. She's been, <laughs> she's doing her best fucking bubbles right here. This is, is what true. she's fucking doing. Soon she's gonna get fucking high on candy, and then she's gonna go out and go with a bang, just beating up every fucking bad guy that there is out there. And and she's like, oh, I already eat my spinach, meaning she fucking smoked her grass. Right. I let me tell you what I hate. I like the reveal
1: once. When it's like this is the girl from the beginning what i don't like is how she revealed it like five or six times like every time he said something she was like hey remember me i was this oh let me remind you everything that we're doing and i just felt like they were like beating in our heads and it's like
2: we get it like we got it back when she first did it she was gonna be one of the killers later in the movie i get it
1: (laughs) well she shows up and she does it once and that's enough that's like that's you know that.
2: Uh, it's a broken record
1: at this point and it's making her more annoying than scary. And I love Roscoe's just like,
2: come and get me, bitch. (laughs) I'm done. Remember when I said Hunter, well, you're the Hunter. And then I said Hunter. So you're a Hunter. Get it. Do you know who I am now? I was the girl in the bikini. Look at me, the girl in the bikini. I know who you are. Of course you know who I am. I was the girl in the bikini Hunter, Hunter. Yeah, pretty much that's exactly what it feels like.
1: And then we have the three or four Popeye references, and it's like fast forward.
2: Yeah. I'm done with it. And then she does start attacking him, but she like stabs him once, which you hear in the scene, but then like she goes to stab him again, and then he's got he must have somehow gotten some spinach somewhere because he's able to just hold her off, even though he's badly hurt. Or she might be the weakest fucking thing ever. And meanwhile, over on the other side, we've got Venus. And Charlie and Panda all fighting uh, Deathhead over here, and they're trying to. You know, Venus is trying to hold him back with the the chainsaw, and he does manage to hit Panda twice with his spike bat, yes. which leaves a couple big holes. And earlier, you covered
1: how the fight scene up until here it didn't feel like much. Like they were trying to make it intense, yeah. but when he gets hit the two times, I, I almost was like, it's fodder. Like, this character's important. He's lasted so long. Give yeah. us more.
2: And, and the thing is, is that it looked like he was winning, too. Like, he had the yes. upper hand for a while. Yes. And then all of a sudden it turned around him. Because really, neither of these two heads really do anything. Like, she gets, like, doll person, like, stabby, stabby. And he gets, you know, I'm a big, strong German guy. And I'm going to come hurt you. And I'm going to speak in German to you. like it i just find these two heads so fucking pointless like they could have been fodder way in the beginning you could have had them be the first fucking two heads and save sicko head for this point in the movie or moved everybody around i just i feel like there's such like a first level boss if we're gonna keep going with the video game analogy that yeah okay it's cool it's interesting it would have been fine with the whole like we saw you out there or at the same time, if they were gonna do that reveal, like make them cooler than they actually are. You know, yeah. it's it's just kind of a waste of two characters in the movie and it, it just kind of sucks, you know. But I do like how they get theirs. and uh, you know, the fact that you know, Charlie, she comes in and she grabs uh you know, sex head by the back and then pulls her over to Doomhead, and Doomhead kicked his coverage, let me tell you that because he's got like all these scars all over his face and stuff like that. And he just one ugly motherfucker and she's relatively hot, you know? And if you got this like crazy kind of hot spinner chick that is madly in love with you, like and he knows he kicked his coverage because when she, her life is threatened, he's like, no, I won't do anything anymore. You know, don't I don't know why he begin. <laughs> yeah. Don't hurt her. Everything yeah. will be okay. You know, it's, and then he gets his head bashed in by Venus. It and I think this scene
1: was it's so close to being a trauma watermelon head smash. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it so bad.
2: And I bet you again not to make you want the NC17 version again. I bet you had a better close up of when the head got smashed. Probably, Probably when so. that. And but I love like the end of the scene when Venus is looking over at Charlie and she's like what do you want to do with her? you know, she's not really worth it. And you know, what do you want to do? And Charlie just looks at her and they look at each other. She's like, okay. And that's when Charlie just takes the knife and just drags it across her throat. Like, she, and it's not like a quick, she digs that thing into her throat to fucking kill her. Yeah. It's awesome. And it just goes back to show
1: what you said earlier of they're becoming the, you know, just as bad as the bad guys in the sense mm-hmm. of violence. Like, Yes, you gotta survive, and I don't know, man. I'm not on anybody's side of what's right and wrong at this point, but I love that confrontation because Venus, she still has this sense of hope and like human decency, and you can see Charlie has already snapped at this point. And I gotta say, the thing that made me the most frustrated about the way the movie is going is, I get it, our our heads are all contract killers or, or mm-hmm. whatever have you, right? If you're playing this game, Brian, I'm just going to say, I would never go in this with my spouse or my brother, because once one goes, you're compromised. Yeah. And you don't have that with um, Poncho in the beginning, sickhead. You know what I mean? It's just him. And so I get it. They're up in the ante and we have two clowns now, but essentially it becomes half whenever mm-hmm. we, half of it gets killed.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and maybe one half survives, but you've lost your brother forever. You know, if that goes on or you've lost your spouse or or whomever it is. And that's why, like, I feel like our most effective two just happen to be, you know, uh, sickhead and doomhead. I think own. that and because they're on their own and they just do what the fuck they want. They don't have to worry about anything else. And, you know, they're more professional killers than everybody else in this thing, like it looks like sex head is just doing this for fun, you know oh I'm just gonna I'm gonna play professional killer, but not really like totally take it seriously where she could have probably easily killed fucking Roscoe, but she doesn't she kind of plays with him for a while she also has to tell him guess who I was like Ugh. it's a big fucking surprise, and then you know deathhead he just feels like oh I'm just gonna take them out. Like, again these two characters are just so pointless that it's absolutely annoying. Um, And so now that they're dead, you know, of course, the wigs up on top, you know, their father murder and his sisters, serpent and dragon, they're all worried about what's gonna fucking happen. So they have to call somebody back. And that happens to be our favorite guy from the beginning of the movie.
0: What is the next step? We
2: must Calculate the next step very
0: carefully. Deathhead was our safety net, but since he has expired, could I suggest Hmm? Bashhead? He can't be trusted to close the deal properly, no. Fuck you, bitch! Maybe
1: Ragehead.
0: Too irrational. I believe there is only one logical and still complete compelling choice. Oh, yeah. Doomhead. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Are we in agreement on that decision? Agreed. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. It is Doomhead. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! Oh, Who is going to make the call? Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh fuck! Don't answer that
1: don't
0: answer it. Fuck. It can wait. Don't answer it. Fuck stop now. Oh, this is business. Yeah. Thing is, I really wasn't planning on working this year. Right now, I got a pretty decent piece of pussy with a big old ass, but right in front of me. Mm hmm double last year's fee. I've done. I've been there in minutes. Who was that? Who was it, mean? That, believe it or not, was Mr. None of your fucking business. Yeah, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Well... You can stick your fingers in your dripping twat And finish yourself off Or get the fuck out Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn You know, pretty full of yourself Nobody messes with Mr. Big Shot Well, fuck you Bitch When you run a perfect game day after day Ain't luck, on Skill Can I at least take a shower before I go? Negative Take that stinking ass and hit the
2: bricks. Mm. So, again, I love this performance. Like, <sighs> it's so good. And it, it's weird with this, like, the way she turns, like, constantly, she's constantly trying to control the, the whole situation that's going on. Don't answer the phone. Well, then, if you're answering the phone, don't stop. Who is it? It's none of your fucking business. That's who it is. You know, can I, you know, oh, nobody ever stands up to you. Then he again shoots her down. Can I at least take a shower? No, get your ass out of here like <laughs> she tries to be the big shit, and he doesn't do anything. He doesn't threaten her. He doesn't you know hit her. he doesn't do anything to her. He just commands the scene. He's a smooth talker yeah it's it's just really well i I just you know and it's awkward kind of getting into it because as you get introduced to him he's getting into it you know (laughs) and you get a big big shot of his ass you know and i was worried that something was going to slip out there you know Uh, but he's protected by the cock socks so everything's okay
1: let me let me ask you something did you recognize the woman at all i did not well let me tell you about somebody you do recognize um, because you have seen her before. She was fucking Captain Spaulding in Devil's Rejects. It's Ginger Lynn, oh, aka
2: Cherry Bomb. It was the one that was at the beginning of the Devil's Rejects when he was having his dream.
1: Yes. Uh, so we've How got
2: He brought her back. Hey, I got another sex scene. You want a job? <laughs> hey, yeah. Hey, porn girl. You want another sex scene job? Sure. This scene
1: is awkward, yes, but it's also badass because. He is having sex with this woman while watching Nosferatu, the original 1922 version, and I'm like, preach.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes you wonder if he's getting off from Nosferatu and not her. Oh, that's definitely what's happening. He's watching <laughs> TV. <laughs> so, it's it's a interesting scene that you have here and like again, it's it's really just like it shows the way that he is, like the the fact that he goes from business to pleasure pleasure to business uh so quick like he's enjoying himself he's really going at it and then all of a sudden the phone rings he knows what it is and like that he's just he flips the switch man yeah he's he's like no this is business you know even at the whole tone of his voice and everything just completely changes hit the brakes that's right we go back over and we see that you know uh venus and roscoe you know they're sleeping in a portion of whatever their the place that they're getting their rest period right and so that's where you get this really kind of interesting dream sequence where randomly the brothers come back hey bitch how did you really think
0: cutting my hair was gonna keep me down Oh, I got that motherfucker so back on, pronto, And I am feeling groovy. As if we ain't chewing around here. No, no, no.
1: <laughs> ain't you learned shit yet?
0: Hi, hey, brother. Looky over here.
2: Oh, you want to see something mad funny?
0: <laughs> hey there, number five. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Here's your first question. What's sicker than fucking a pregnant bitch? Oh, gee. I don't know. What is sicker than fucking a pregnant
1: bitch?
0: Getting a job from the
2: baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do
2: another one, man. All, right, all right,
0: Next one, number five. What is the difference between an onion in a whore? Oh, shuck. I don't know Though no, I should Cause I am a
1: whore What is it?
2: Wait, 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 wait I know this one Let me, let me do it
0: Alright, brother, you go ahead
1: <laughs> <laughs> The difference between an
2: onion and a whore is I cry when I cut onion. <laughs> it's, it's kind of random But it's more like a portent for her And the fact that Charlie's not there Right. And that something's happened to Charlie, you know, and something's going to happen to Charlie. But it seems really random at where we're at in the point of the movie for her to have this like type of dream. I know that when the scene happens, I'm thinking
1: this can't be happening because we saw you die. So therefore it has to be a dream. But then he quickly addresses you. We're supernatural. And I was thinking, oh, hell no. No, no, no. Please no. Yeah. And then it's a dream. I'm like, oh thank goodness. But I'll tell you, Brian, that second joke about whores and onions, I absolutely love. Like I oh, cracked up laughing. You don't love the baby blowjob joke? It's not my style, but
2: you know, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know I, what? I don't know if anybody's gonna ever say that the baby blowjob joke is my style. Yeah, well,
1: I hope not, man. Uh, actually I heard it in a rap song before, so it's not new to me. Oh jeez! <laughs> yeah. What rap are you listening to? <laughs> it's from a friend, but, uh, uh-huh.
2: <laughs> but I hate onions. So it cracks me up. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's weird in that I'm not sure why it was included other than, you know, like I said, for it to be a portent of things to come. Um, but I, I do like the scene. I like the way that it's played out. And I like that she, her, we get inside of Venus's mind for a second because we've never really focused on them. And we see how she's kind of like the mother figure because she's worrying about everybody and treating her like, you know, that's the person she automatically went to that, oh, crap, you know, she's not going to be able to survive. Uh, you know, and I've got to protect her. Right. So it's, it's interesting. We see Doomhead actually arrive um, at the complex. He asks how much time he has. They tell him he has four hours. And he says to them that, oh, that's enough time for me to kill a whole family. You know, or your whole family is actually what he tells yeah. whatever the hamburger people are over up there. And then he goes and he probably does one of the coolest scenes uh, in the movie. And I wanted to put it in there, but it's literally like 10 seconds of him saying what he does. And then it's all just audio cues. Eh, I didn't feel like I really want to do it, but you have And again, I think it's a scene that you have to see. I don't think it's, it does justice by, you know, some of these, you can get it by the audio, but that one you really do have to see. And he sits there and it's, it's him painting his whole face with the grease paint, making his whole face white. And then he starts looking in the mirror and he's telling himself that he's in control. He's not not crazy. I'm in control. I'm not crazy. I'm in control. I'm not crazy. I'm in control. I'm not crazy. and he stops. And then he gets up. And then he just starts fucking punching himself in the face. Until he's got the perfect amount of blood, I guess, to make it, you know, the costume right.
1: I remember telling Andy when we talked about this movie.
2: I was like, how do you fight somebody who fights himself? <laughs> I don't know. What happened in, in uh, Liar Liar, you know? He was just in the bathroom and nobody fucking touched him, right? Hey, what, Jim Carrey what can't
1: hold... A fire to what uh, Richard Brake is doing here.
2: Yeah, but he kicked his own ass. <laughs> but I mind. <laughs> but it's it's pretty crazy, and the fact that he comes out and just all the blood is just coming from his face, and he's just like looking at it, spitting out the side. Well, okay, yeah, I get it. But he just wants it all over his teeth and all over his like weird, not shirt shirt thing, like it's a scarf. So.
1: This is kind of cool because um, when I was watching this movie with the audio commentary, the one thing that Rob had brought to my attention that I didn't catch until he said it, it parallels the uniform of Nosferatu that he Mm. was watching. It's a vampire getup. And so if you think about it, okay, so he's got the hair slit back. He's painted like pale white at this point, and he's got the blood coming down essentially from his nose and mouth. The dude looks like a ravenous vampire at this point.
2: Yeah, and he does have kind of like spiky teeth as well. In the beginning of the movie, is he missing a tooth, and then all of a sudden here he has that tooth?
1: Man, I do not know.
2: <laughs> like, I remember him, like, he was missing an incisor, like, over here when he was speaking, and then all of a sudden here he's got a full mouth of teeth. I mean, it, it has been some time since he's gone, so he could have gotten, you know, dental surgery to fix whatever he needed to do, but it's just was weird that it was something, you have to go back and look at it. Well, just imagine how much he's going to get
1: paid this time because he's doubling his fee. He can get anything he wants. Yeah, that's right. Now, did he double his fee
2: to be a part of this, or is he doubling his fee if he wins this? I think no matter what, you have to turn in a body. So maybe he's going to get some for each one that he kills, but who knows? Uh, So he's ready to go, and then we go back over to the White Hairs, and this is when they have the question of what if somebody wins, and then – they, we know that this is a betting thing, right? That they're all playing a game against each other, but are they betting who dies last, who he kills first? They don't say what the bets are for.
1: Yeah. I, I've been back and forth on the same question because with, since they give the odds, it makes me wonder of who the survivor is going to be. But as – each of the heads are coming in, you seem to seem like, okay, I'm putting my money on that this is going to be the guy that gets the job done.
2: It, it could possibly be that, but let's hear them uh, place some bets. Everybody, place your bets.
0: Excuse me for asking, Father, but what exactly is the protocol if we have a survivor? Doomhead has never failed us. He will deliver as expected. I mean no disrespect, but that was not the question. I suggest you make sure your final wages are in order. Lovely. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Right. My wager. Five million. I respectfully decline. I am out. Oh, of course you are. Playing with the big boys isn't everyone's cup of tea. I will take that bet. And double it. All right, now we have ourselves a game. So,
2: let us continue. So they put a bet down of five. Father Murder puts down a bet of five. Five what? Five Skull Coins? Those were weird. Each one represents a million dollars, I guess. I guess. like, Or is there something else? Like, is it for, you know, control? Is that what they're playing for? I I, I really wish what exactly the the bets were for. You know, that there was a little more backstory to what they were doing. Like, it, or it would have been interesting if you're like well what happens if somebody wins the game well you're gonna bet that he's gonna do his job well i'm gonna bet against you and i'm gonna say that this person survives at least then we know that there was something different at stake than what is their bet like it, we just never find out it's again one of those things where i wish that we got some explanation for
1: right because who pays up you never know
2: Yeah, and and do they? What happens? It all goes in the pot, and if somebody survives, nobody fucking wins? Now you don't have that money anymore? Like, you're going to be poor because you didn't choose somebody to survive? Except for the sister that folded. (laughs) She was out. (laughs) Well, you know, she's been listening to a lot of Kenny Rogers, so she knew when to fold them. Oof. So, uh, we go back, and we see that Venus is pissed off at Roscoe because Roscoe let uh, Charlie go out on her own. So, they've gone out to try to find Charlie, And unfortunately, she gets trapped in like a boiler room uh, by Doomhead. And we have a great little scene here with Doomhead because, and I love the way that the reaction comes here uh, where she basically, and it's in the clip too, where she says, let them live. And his response to it is just so fucking good. Like let's go through and then let's do a little quick chat about what happened here.
0: You smell that. <laughs> oh, it's <smelly>. i yank <laughs> like my crusty old Don out of some horse asshole for a quickie wham-bam. Thank you, ma'am. I came to get down dirty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> WHAT IS IT ABOUT ME THAT GIVES YOU SOME IMPRESSION THAT I WOULD SPARE THEM? HUH? HUH? BECAUSE IF THAT'S THE CASE, THEN i REALLY GOT TO WORK ON MY person to person demeanor. <laughs> UNFORTUNATELY, THOSE OTHER FOOLS AND IDIOTS GAVE YOU THE MOST WORTHLESS FEELING, AND THAT FEELING IS HOPE. <laughs> THE UNICORN ALIVE IS SHIT IN the MAGIC RAINBOW, IT'S BUT AN ILLUSION. Life is nothing but the stinking, filthy <laughs> boneyard of dead,
2: rotting huh? So it's it's great that you know she's like, let them live. <laughs> what is it about my demeanor? <laughs> <laughs> He's so poetic. I know you you see how he writes like Rob writes for Otis, and this is kind of his Otis of the movie. Absolutely, like he definitely gets the more like flowing lines, the poetic lines. Um, it, it's just, it's so well done too. And he delivers them so well.
1: He does. It's like, he's identifying himself with one character in each movie and it's, is verbatim how he would perceive the situation.
2: Yeah, exactly. And a- again, the, the whole like setup, even the way that he first approaches her where he puts his hands in his pants and he takes two fingers out and he smells them along with her, forces her to smell them. And then like smells it along with him. Like, you know, and it didn't look like he was fucking her in the ass, but I guess he was fucking her in the ass, even though he told her to go stick two fingers up her wet snatch uh, to finish herself off. Well, I mean, he had the other place covered, so... Uh, I guess that's one way to think about it. Uh, so, <laughs> if you can. <laughs> so, you know, now Venus has died. She gets stabbed to death. Well, she gets stabbed, and then she gets the knife run down her body. Yeah. Uh, or run up it, I guess I should say. she's. Uh, yeah, it's
1: like... It's like a kidney stab, and it's just pulled up, man. And it's pretty brutal, and you see death in her eyes.
2: Yeah, and it's it's pretty rough watch. Um, It's not, like, bloody. It's just from how slow the knife moves and, you know, the force that you can see him kind of putting into it and just ripping the flesh as he's moving up her body. Uh, It's rough. And, And I think this is a lot of what's missing with sex and
1: death is that sick head in the beginning, he does a good job. The chainsaw guys do okay. But with Richard Brake, like I I called him poetic in his words, but he's a, um, he's a physical actor too. Like the way he just does it, like not only does he sell it, but it's a sense of you're like, that is probably exactly what it would look like.
2: Yeah, I I agree. And it it's, It sucks that Sex and Death just seem like worthless characters in comparison to him. Because again, like if I'm going to take all of them like side by side, Sickhead and Doomhead are kind of even. Like there's something brutal about Doomhead that isn't there in Sickhead, but it doesn't mean that I discount Sickhead. You know, like you said, the brothers, they're okay. But the other two just seem to me like such a throwaway. Like I just needed more. I needed two more clown type people and this is what we're going to get. Yeah. They definitely lack the enthusiasm and an
1: aggression that the other characters have. And it's just kind of a bummer that it's noticeable. And
2: maybe more of their brutal stuff was taken out. You never know. That's true. Because we don't know what the NC 17 version of this could have been
1: one of those things where they had to just reshoot and do a whole different scene with it.
2: Yeah. We could have gotten something completely different. So uh, we cut back over and we see that Charlie and Roscoe have linked back up together and they're looking for Venus and they do happen to find her and she's basically strung up uh, like in a Jesus Christ pose uh, with, now is she completely like torn out on the inside or is she just bleeding on the cross? I like... think she's just
1: bleeding on the cross. She may have the damage done on the one side but mm-hmm. I don't think she was gutted to the point where Levi was
2: earlier. That, that is definitely true and so as they're staring at her in shock that's where we get again yet another like poetic speech and taunting directly from Doomhead Victorious
0: warriors win first then go to war while defeated warriors they go to war first then seek to win which are you? I'm a gentleman of war So I'll give you a moment of peace and tranquility with your fallen comrade. Oh, by the way, the doors to the outside world are now officially open. Feel free to wander the ground.
2: He's got this like sense of moral here, like where he's like, I killed your friend. So I'll give you a chance to mourn and get some fresh air but then I'm coming after you. Yeah. I do like that line too, where he says, you know, uh, good warriors, uh, you know, they go out with the intention to win, to win, right. Where false warriors, they, you know, go out there with the intention to win, but they're not like true to themselves. It, it's kind of, it's, it's a very interesting line that he does. And he kind of makes them all look at, well, what type are you? Right. You know, and to bring it or not. Exactly. And I think that's kind of where we see what happens with Roscoe in the next scene, right? So they do get outside. They're trying to find a way out of this place. And eventually they do get to an exit and this then becomes decided that, you know, Roscoe, he can't make it down there, but I'm not sure why he can't make it down there. Like he can't hold on to the bars to be able to climb down there. Or is yeah, it going he to be a long Maybe he support job? his weight going down. Yeah, I don't know. But you would think that she might be able to help him with
1: that a little bit. I think more than anything, it's him just – I think he's, he's just sweet on her, man. And he yeah, thinks that's that true. this is the best chance, and maybe if I can stay, I can stop him or buy her enough time. Like, that, that
2: makes the most sense to me. Well, let's take a listen as they first argue for a second, and then we have the end of poor Roscoe.
0: What do you think? It's your best chance. You mean our best chance?
2: No, I, I don't. I, think,
0: I can't get down this. there. After everything, this is where you bail on me? No, this, this shit ain't over. I can't get down there. I can't. You can't. Oh, fuck oh, it. God. He's coming. Get him. I'll hold him off as long as I can.
1: Wait, I'm not leaving.
0: Fucking girl.
1: I'm not leaving without you.
0: Get there. the get fuck the up! Place. get the fuck in there, stupid bitch, them. get in there, shut the uh, fuck up, get out of here, get uh. the fuck in there.
2: Excuse me, sir. My name is not fuckhead. It is doom ahead. That is what I go by. For that, you must die. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's
2: it, I like that. You're gonna fight me or
1: fuck me. <laughs> so you want to know something funny? Is um that was an improv line actually? Oh, I,
2: I would it, bet that would be.
1: Um, they had said when I went to that panel, it was it was a funny discussion because they said that on set it seemed like there was a lot of the male masculinity between these two guys and every scene they were just trying to ramp it up you know be the bigger man who could take the more powerful hit so yes everything is fake but you can still feel it because they're hitting harder with the fake knives and doing everything that they're doing and this scene where he says are you gonna fight me or fuck me he literally rob had whispered it to him to tell him that because they knew it would, like, piss off Richard Brake's character, and that's when he runs at him, and, dude, we're going to tell it like we see it. He just sits there, and he jabs him, like, what, like, 15 times, just rib shot, rib shot, kidney shot, and um, I remember he saying it hurt like hell because he was just hitting him as hard as he could.
2: Well, it's almost like he's, like, a boxer in this scene with the knives, right? Like, he just – he does that, like, perfect dodge, and then he's just – like, just getting in those – those rib shots and those like gut shots with the knife. It's it's crazy that he's doing that. And it's but it does look like kind of ridiculous, honestly, when he's running at him like with the knives. Like he's almost like Naruto running, like with his arms behind his back as he's running <laughs> with the knives at the side. Oh I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. It's <laughs> it is cool that he's coming down a little slender bridge thing though. I mean Yeah I, I still don't – I mean, it's not like it's terrible, but I'm just saying it, it looks funny. You would have you preferred know? him to just walk it towards him with confidence? Yeah, well, he could run or he could, you know, like run like, you know, Arnold Running Man or something like that. What if he had done some cartwheels? I think that <laughs> would been like, great. Like a Freddy Cougar thing? Or he could have done, you know, like an MC Hammer, you know, like, whoa, 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 the baggy, whoa, whoa, <laughs> baggy pants is coming <laughs> down, gonna... and he's got his <laughs> he, knives – I got my knives. Oh, 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 oh.
1: Yeah, all of a sudden Roscoe escapes by now. Like, oh,
2: damn. Damn. Well, so Roscoe, uh, he still, with his last dying breath, he tries to grab him by the leg to stop him. And and he just kind of shrugs the leg off and then kicks him in the back. And that's the end of Roscoe. Even though you see him kind of breathe his last breath, like you see his chest go up real fast, come back down, and then the next shot is him just lying still.
1: Yeah. He lets go of life, man.
2: Yeah. And, and so Roscoe, poor Roscoe is dead, but Charlie has gotten out of there. Uh, Of course, she's going to be the last one to live. I don't think that he has yet to kill any of her characters off in any way, like period. No. So, however, however,
1: there is a non Rob Zombie movie that she's in and it doesn't work out in her favor.
2: Well, you know, there's gotta be some chance where she actually does die in the movie. So she goes uh, out to this house. She like walks down the road. It's now daylight outside. So the sun is out and shining and she walks into a place where she kind of creeps around and she ends up getting into a corner where she sees this like diorama of like all these carnival things that they've set up. And uh, is that like, do you believe that's like to represent where she came from? Like how I think that it, was set up?
1: Yeah, it's the exact puppet setup that was at the gas station that she referenced, which we failed to talk about. But oh. yeah, and I think that sets up the entire like House of a Thousand idea of shit the gas station was in on the whole thing.
2: Yeah, and we definitely knew we kind of got that because of everything that sex had had to deal with that stuff. So because did you know, did you know that she ate her spinach? <laughs> hey at this point I'm like all right where's Leo the clown? <laughs> he probably should have popped up at some point. Uh which would have been hilarious if he came through and he, like he came up and hey I see you found my my b- mattress back here. So, yep. gut <laughs> <laughs> burner. Yeah, I brought my gut burner and I brought my penis, <laughs> my penis pills. Wanna get down? What would his <laughs> what would his clown name be? Would he Leo head? <laughs> Leo head? <laughs> uh, I think he'd be lucky head. That's what he would be. I think Lucky is. He's Leo Lucky, is what he calls himself. I think he'd be Lucky Head or Luckhead. One of the two. No teeth. Or Lucky Leo. No teeth. No teeth McGee. Gumhead. (laughs) Gumhead. (laughs) (laughs) You know, some people prefer the gumhead to everything else. (laughs) There's Uh, no biting. (laughs) So uh, that's where, of course, she's attacked by Doomhead. And I like this scene because he truly is stronger than her. She's beat to shit. You know, but he starts playing with his food, you know, and he has a chance where he starts choking her and then that's where he lets up. But because he just doesn't finish the job, something that has happens that has never happened uh, with this game. But first, let's have the little bit of dialogue before that kind of goes on where he kind of gloats and she kind of shuts him up.
0: Moments of great accomplishment such as this, I feel the need to celebrate. I found that the best of times happens exactly at the point we lose track of them. Hmm? We must train ourselves to extend the moment and learn to live. Smoke in times of rest is a great companion to the solitary soldier. You know who said that? Huh? Do you know who said that?
2: really think i give a fuck i i like how she kind of strikes back at him in that moment too you know she it's it's not like the other people that he's faced before which have all kind of like well we know only really because of the first guy in the film that pleaded for his life and she's just like whatever you know you think i give a fuck of what what you're talking about you don't need to have this i like to have a conversation tell a story to somebody before i kill them you know. She's like, I've
1: heard this shit before.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody tells me fuck you before they die. Wait, that's right. Wrong character. <laughs> um, so after he's given the speech, then he does reach down there and he starts choking her to death. And she slowly is fading out, but then at the last minute, you know, he releases her. And then, like I said before, something happens that's never happened in the game of 31 before.
0: <sighs> Got you, Brad. Your breath. It's okay. It's okay. Here you go.
2: Relax, little girl.
0: Well, well, well. Shall we do this White Chapel style then? Bloody red tears, my dear Mary Kelly. I have to say I do respect you But uh, It's time to die Weapons down Weapons down Motherfucker 30 once Has come To an end You lucky fuck You dirty little
1: cult.
0: It seems the unthinkable has happened. We have a winner. What exactly will you do with her? I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. Hmm. I thank you for another exciting year of 31.
2: So, they don't know what to do because it's never happened. Father, what the fuck, his name murder, uh, he, <laughs> he just packs everything up and they all leave. Like they all get dressed and they all get back to their regular looking like selves. Like here I am, you know, I rocked you like a hurricane, but now I got to go back to work. Oh, it's pretty cool. I, I
1: like seeing the transition of, oh, hey, look, this is people that you see all the time. And uh, it just shows me you never know what goes on behind closed doors.
2: Yeah. And even when you see Death Head, just, he just picks up and leaves. Like yeah. he doesn't try to do anything else. At this moment, he just, like, okay, but that's it. I guess I'm going. Bye. And like, I, it sucks. I lost. He's, yeah,
1: I lo- he's a businessman. He plays by the rules, I guess. Like, funny to say so. And it also just, it leads to that one factor. It's just, like, is there surveillance? Yeah. You know, if he breaks the rules, will he not be able to play anymore next year? You know, so he, regardless of what the reason is, he packs shit
2: and leaves. Well, like, is there a penalty for what sure he's for. done, too? like you don't ever find that out either like could something more have happened to him you know does is there a clause that say if you don't kill them we kill you you know who who knows but i i don't think that that clause exists i think he just doesn't get paid
1: yeah and it's one of those things too because he kills two people in this movie so does he get paid for both of them or if it's if you don't kill everyone you get nothing
2: yeah, it could be an all-or-nothing situation. He seems but, pretty pissed off, but I think he's more pissed off that he didn't finish it and then right. he let it linger. And, and that's the thing that I love about his character is
1: he is his own worst enemy, is his ego, man. It just, oh, yeah. it puts him in in all these amazing and now terrible situations. Well, and the thing is, is that
2: he he has this ego, but he can back it the fuck up. Like, he he just doesn't, like... He doesn't know when to put the ego in fucking check. That's right. what it is. So hes it's so big, but at the same time, he's so good that he should have won. Well, he can no longer say that he runs a perfect game. Yeah. And that means that he's going to have to let that bitch take her shower. <laughs> so we get this montage of the end, and there's no real, like, further dialogue that happens so this is going to be one of the rare times where i play like the end theme as the end theme when we get to it but we see like everybody pack up like we said that the the wigs they all put their hair away they take off all their makeup you know one just looks like like somebody's abuela the other person is just like a businesswoman you have you know father murder he just looks like you know, a regular guy, though he's still being trailed around by a bunch of naked ladies, I, I mean, I don't know I guess rich guys can do that shit. I, g- I guess that's just the way that it is. can't let uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly this This is some weird type of fight club where you're not supposed to talk about it, and you'll never fucking know anything about them. Uh, so and then we cut outside and we see that Charlie she's walking down the road, and as she's walking down the road, she's stumbling around because she barely survived, then all of a sudden you see a van. Coming in the distance, it doesn't have a Joker face on it. Okay, so it's not just trying to run out and attack her and run her over, but it is being driven by Doomhead. And eventually, Doomhead gets close to her, stops the car, and then and he's busy listening to some Aerosmith back there as well. Um, and so it's it's the end of the movie basically, where he gets out of the car, she turns around, he looks at her, she looks at him, he looks at her. She looks at him, he looks at her again, pulls out his switchblade knife, uh, props that baby up, then you get a close-up of her fist, well, of her hand, that turns into a fist, and then everything cuts out, and meanwhile, we get one of the end themes playing over the whole scene. Um, what are your initial thoughts uh, for the end of the movie and then just kind of getting into the movie as a whole I know for me
1: I absolutely love the end um, that is actually one of my favorite songs of all time so that Rob has always used interesting and, and kind of well-fitting music he does a really good job creating sequences and I was delighted to see this song and it was awesome to see Doomhead again and even though Like we've said, you know, it's an ambiguous thing. You don't know what happens. It's left to interpretation. I like that effect because it brings some pretty interesting questions. It's like, okay, is it one of those things where, yes, he plays by the rules and he's not going to get paid. The game is over, but he can't live with a loss. So either way to him, he's got to kill her, right? And in the song, you know, they talk about you got to lose to know how to win. And it just makes me think of like, he's never going to make that mistake ever again. You know what I mean? So maybe he will get his ego in check. But I love our character, um, Charlie, man, she's just God bless her, right? Like she's ready to go again. She knows that she's probably not going to survive, but she's not going down without a fight. And to his amusement, like he smirks, he smiles at her. And I love what Rob does with the cameras because – um, it's a wide shot and it zooms in much like he does in all the movies and we get to focus on the facial reactions here and then we cut away and see the happier times of the group with the home mm-hmm. video footage and accompanied by
2: the Aerosmith song I'm just like love it or hate it dude That's a sweet ending yeah I think it's better than I think some people may give it credit for I do like that it's kind of ambiguous you don't know if she truly survives or not I'm assuming that she doesn't because just that the fact that we get the happy days like montage a little bit at the end i think that is kind of indicative of that you know before everything started everything was so good but they all you know they all kind of perished because we all get like one little vignette of each of them you know having fun Mm -hmm. in some way and but even though I don't think she gets one in the limelight. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's because, because when she has her quote unquote fun, she's behind Roscoe and she's waving her hands in the air. And that's a point where like he protected her, right? right? And you see him in the order that they die, right? That's how you see them all enjoy their time. So it's like this person's picked off and then this person's picked off and then you know Venus and then it's him and she's behind him because he protected her enough so that she could win the game so
1: is it like a john carpenter the thing ending where you don't really know what happens and it's left for people to talk about or is he giving himself the option to continue with another kind
2: of movie that picks up from it i think he might be giving himself the option to do another type of movie but because this wasn't so popular and wasn't rated very well critically i don't know if he'll ever do it um or you know again I, i could see go both ways that I just want to leave this ambiguous because that's where I want to end this and then I'm done. That's it. Like Stephen King. I don't know how to end a story. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. I did have one question
1: for you. Father Murder never says that he knows what he's gonna do. He's always putting it off. I'm gonna figure it out later. Do you think that he gets a hold
2: of Doomhead and he's like, She can't live. Finish the job. I'll pay you anyway. Yeah, I, I always had a feeling about that. When I first saw it, I was kind of like, uh, eh. like what? But then as I thought about it with here, because he's still like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think it leads itself to that. That he's like, look, uh, I know it's outside of the game. You don't want to have a, a blemish on your record. I don't want there to be a blemish of anybody winning this game. I definitely want don't want anybody knowing that this thing exists because now that she survived, she's going to tell everybody. So go kill her. Like I'm giving you permission to go out there and do it. Right. Yeah, you're going to get paid either way. And I love that
1: it – it returns to the beginning of the film in the essence of being in broad daylight and reminding us that we're watching that 70s, like, sepia tone cult exploitation film. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I said it every time we do this, but it's like, man, Hills Have Eyes vibes. Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes. And oh, yeah. Rob, he does best, man. And it's just
2: beautiful to watch. Yeah, I, I think that the ending is, like I said, I think it's better than people give it credit for. So I've, I've seen a lot of people shit on the ending of the film. Like, it's too ambiguous. You don't know what's going on. Like, be straightforward if you're never going to do anything again. Like, I would have liked to have a satisfying, like, she killed him or he killed her. And there'd be, like, evil wins or good wins. Do something. But she's not necessarily good anymore because she's had to be dirty to be lucky to survive. right? Right? Exactly what Father Murder said towards the beginning of the movie in his little announcement. She did it. So she's here. You know? But, uh, and it's the same thing. Doomhead's got to be dirty to survive as well. So he's got to kill her. Well, you know what really happens though, is Doomhead offers her
1: a position per father murder to be the next clown because she's proved herself. That's what's really going to go down.
2: Yeah, that, that was also the thing. Cause he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, maybe I'll give her a position. She can be another clown. Like yep. that's, that's where it could have happened too. to. She you know is what? the new sex head. Well, I would say, or, you know what really happened? He gave her a part-time job at McDonald's because she's going to be the next Ronald McDonald for the store recruiting people to go there and make sure that they eat the food so that they die in their like little mouse and cat game. She's going to go marry Lucky Leo. That's right. That's going to be your permanent husband. At least he can gum her all night long. You gum me all night long. (laughs) That's all you, bro. Yeah, you! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so if we're going to rate 31, um what would you put the gore factor of this movie at? I struggle with this part
1: because I I know that there was so much more cut out than we actually see and I feel like in a couple of sequences we get a lot and then in the other sequences we get cut away. And so it takes what I feel like is a 5 and it brings me back down. So I'm going to say just because of the
2: intensity uh, of the scenes i'm gonna put it at a four so i'm definitely going above you i'm gonna put it at a five and i put it at five because even though there is some stuff that's kind of held back on it i still think the really gory parts are really gory like i I guess the way i always see it is at what level would i be okay showing like a a 12 year old this movie i wouldn't you know because it's like you know it's not a movie that I would show. So that's why my gore is up at a five. Like maybe like a three or a two, I'd probably be thinking about it, you know? Cause it could be one little thing that's not very gory that I'd be like, yeah, this is an important movie for you to watch, but I don't want you to be scared of the stuff that's going to happen.
1: No 12 year old should ever watch a Rob Zombie movie.
2: No. Well, maybe the haunted world of El Superbisto. Well, maybe not. Cause there's Nazis in that movie too. You know what, know what? <laughs> No, you have to say yes because there's that one sports movie he's going to be doing and there's no way that that could be full of motherfuckers and violence. I don't think that movie's ever getting made. Uh, it's on the docket. We'll see what happens. All right, so the crap factor of this movie, what would you put that at? I'm going to go three out of
1: five.
2: I, I totally agree with you, three out of five because it's, there's some, like we, we talked about the, the two heads that just seem pointless. For me, the shaky cam most definitely it really gets to me in some of these scenes and some of the the fast cuts and the fact that it also kind of, because it got the lower rating, like they cut so much out of it or did editing in certain ways that got rid of what the true heart of the movie was. I wouldn't say the gore is the true heart, but you know, it modifies film. I'd love to see the original and we need to see it someday. Maybe the crap factor would go down.
1: Yeah. And for me, the reason that I'm kind of middle road is because it doesn't go all the way out because there's so much to love about it. But when this review causes us to have to ask each other questions of how did they go from this scene to this scene? How does it make sense that bodies are going from here to here so quick? And then for me, the biggest thing is like, whenever Richard breaks, says, Hey, the doors are open to the outside, this whole movie, they've never found a way to escape to the outside. He says that they're outside.
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay, What? (laughs) So anyway, it's what it is. It's middle of the road yeah and we don't know they're supposed to be going through a maze but it seems also like they're in the same place the entire movie right right so the only time that they're in some place different is when they're in uh you know the, the circus the, thing the circus thing and that's really yeah. it. it's like it goes right back to where they were with sickhead yeah and that's budget that's not necessarily yeah, that, the that's, movie.
1: yeah that's three or four rooms to film in
2: <laughs> yeah exactly uh and then the fun factor what would you give the fun factor of the movie If you're a
1: Rob Zombie fan, you're going to have a lot of fun with this movie. I can't give it a perfect score because, damn it, that's what I'm always predicted to do. But (laughs) I still feel like the movie is a lot of fun because he creates characters that you can become attached with, whether you're voting for the good guys or the bad guys. You always seem to care. And so for me, I'm right there at four.
2: Yeah, I'm exactly at the same spot as you at a four out of five. I think the movie is really fun. I think it's another one of those movies where you could get a bunch of people together and you could, if you didn't enjoy it so much, you could shit talk the movie to the point that you'd really enjoy it, right? And I think that some of the characters, even though we have two pathetic characters, I would call them in the movie, you still have, at least the main cast is relatively interesting. Like none of them seem like they're completely worthless. Like there was that, you know, I, Watching those other things where there's somebody in the movie and then she's no longer in the movie, like she has one scene and she's supposed to be part of the main people and then she's never spoken about again. And, and then you have, you know, good acting from Richard Brake from uh, our little, you know, sick head. I always forget his name. Is Poncho? Poncho. Uh, Poncho. Uh, I forgot his last name, but, but Poncho. Oh, he's <laughs> he's really good as that character. Malcolm McDowell is very good doing his little voice over things. He sounds like he's having fun with it. You know, that it's, he gets to be like that flamboyant character without having to be super like, you know, stiff about it. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like anybody in this movie is in this just for the paycheck.
1: Right. That, nobody's
2: that's Yeah. You know, so it's, it's good. So it's a four out of five, but overall, what would you give the film?
1: Overall, I am going to be stuck trying to figure out three to four. And
2: so I'm going to go 3.5 Kimo and And I'm going to be there flat at three Nazi midgets. Um, It's just, it, it is fun. Don't get me wrong, but there are some times where I just wish it did more. And it has, it has so much potential to be a devil's rejects like type of movie but it just falls short. And I don't know if that's budget or that's because they couldn't get it an R rating to get it into a theater. Like I almost would have rather had him make this VOD or direct a video and release it as he wanted to, you know?
1: I'm right there with you. We know Rob always has his vision and we want to see that vision. And I think for the most part, Richard Brake probably wasn't restricted like if anything I feel like he got the freedom more than anybody else yeah and we did say that he's a scene stealer and for anybody like he's the reason to watch this movie like oh yeah yeah, Rob makes great movies watch all his movies Richard Brake shines
2: in this movie and I just wish we had more of them. Oh yeah, it's and that was the thing I remember when I first watched it, and I didn't question as much when I watched it this time because I already knew what was coming. I'm like, why do we see Doomhead so early and they make such a big deal of this guy that he's not in it until the last 20 minutes of the movie? Like, he, there's so much, we, and, and the thing is, like I said earlier too, you spend so much time with Sickhead. Like, it is a lot of time that you send with that character. And then you send it, spend a decent amount of time with the brothers and then you spend nothing with sex head and death head, unless you count the two fucking minutes that she's in the beginning of the
1: movie. Right. It's a waste of time with them that should have honestly went to Doomhead.
2: Yeah. You could have had Doomhead just killing everybody. Yeah. It could and have, been, would have been
1: more to his character of what we were set up for.
2: Right. And, but I, I also think that if you're going to do, I think in this case, and I know that when we go back to the three from hell podcast, and I said, I really wish that the leader of the black Satan's that he had gotten something in the beginning and they had more time. I honestly believe that if they had just introduced all of them at one point, I mean, maybe, yeah, then it would have been like, Oh, well, this is a running man situation. You're just copying the fucking running man. <laughs> where you're going to introduce all the guys that are going to try to kill fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger out here. You know, you're going to do that. But at the same time, I think that it, it's it's different enough to where you could have done something like that and that, or I'm going to introduce them at this time and you introduce the the piss poor ones right at the beginning and just get them wiped out and then you slowly do more for the other ones. But when it comes to your main guy, because even in, we take the running man as an example, you know, uh, what's his name's character? Um, fuck, uh ex-governor, crazy fucking man, Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, His character gets introduced, at least, towards the beginning, and you see that he's like a badass. He's like the big hero of the thing. So when he's finally injected into the movie to go after Arnold Schwarzenegger, you realize why he's in it so much. And it's the same thing here. You kind of do it where he's tortured somebody from before, and we get a really good introduction, but it takes so long for him to come back. Right. So... That's it. We, we That's, are officially done with Rob Zombie for quite some time. It, it is. It is going to be a while.
1: It's been a blast.
2: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I hope you guys have enjoyed all the Rob Zombie movies. But we still have, surprisingly, one movie left that does take place on the day that it will be released as you are listening to it. And uh, should we just play the trailer and just let people figure out what the movie is going to be? Let's do it. All right. So, this is what you guys need to watch next
0: Halloween night. A small American town. 15 years ago. <laughs> trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back.
1: Exploring uncharted territory. It's totally charted.
2: Just talk. Sure, sure. The only reason she babysits is to have him on tell you that that trailer does not do that movie any justice that's a very crappy trailer um but it, this is a classic movie uh, it, it's one of those films that you know uh i think that probably everybody's talked up and down about and we've already done or i've already done both of rob zombie's halloween movies so why not you know to cap off rob zombie month we're gonna do the original fucking halloween you know that's just the way it's gonna and it's it's how perfect is it that it's Halloween fucking day? And that's the day that we're going to release Halloween. Now it's the stuff that podcasts are made of. That's right. And, and we are going to try and I, I talked about it before that we'll, we'll get him on, but we're going to try to get the third guest for this one. Uh, because that guy is one, he is the second most popular guest on the show. Uh, you guys are pretty much tied for most downloads on the podcast. Uh, and, uh, Halloween is his fucking jam so I feel like I'd be remiss to not invite him to come on if he's able to make it the night that we record uh for that episode so there may be a third one of us otherwise it'll just be Dave and I uh doing the podcast
1: well I'll tell you this much man you know we've been you've been podcasting for what five six years now uh longer than that but this podcast six years yeah yeah so for this one alone and i've been in the podcasting world for close to five this is also one of my favorite horror movies of all
2: time and i've never got to talk about it so Uh, so, i'm
1: very much looking forward to it
2: and and this may be uh it may be a little different like it may not be exactly like i do the normal podcasts just because it's a movie that everybody should know if you don't know it um but it it might also be the same like what we've done um and that's going to be i think determined whether or not we have the extra guest or not um and how it's being done just i think it's also because of time i think it's because it'd be nice to just kind of have a chat um but we'll see i may have already just cut this part out of this part of the podcast too and be like oh yeah so we're We're just going to make sure we're, we'll see Halloween next time. So, um, but we'll see, I always change my mind with shit. And then I go back to the shit that I already did. You're preaching to the choir, dude. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, like in these ones, I feel kind of awkward in doing are the, all the plugs and stuff, but I think that the one that'll get all the plugs will be the final episode of the month because hopefully you guys have all come back. You're going to be here. You've enjoyed all the Rob Zombie stuff uh, that's out there. Is there anything that uh, you want to say, Dave, before we run out? I just I want to say
1: thank you to everybody who's joined us on this journey so far. It's been a lot of fun. Rob Zombie forever. And next time you see us, we're getting down on some John
2: Carpenter. Yep, it should be a lot of fun. So we'll see you guys all next time for Halloween, the night he came home. That is a wrap. I
1: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?